Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Winchester Radio. This is our discussion of the season nine finale of Supernatural called Do You Believe in Miracles? It will be our last episode podcast of the ninth season, uh, first run, but uh, not our last podcast for the summer. Um, So we're going to be talking about the finale tonight. We have guests, so we will not be taking any call-ins. Maybe later we'll see. Um, tonight we uh, have Clarissa from ScreenFad.com and Danielle from PossibleByPopCulture.com. Uh, lots to talk about, and some of it even has to do with the finale, but we'll get to that later. Um, anyway, Do You Believe in Miracles, written by Jeremy Carver, directed by Thomas Wright. Um Pretty good wrap-up to the season. Ended with quite the final scene. Um, again, everybody, we've talked about this before. Everybody uh, thought that uh, on the show, like such as Jensen, Jared, whoever thought, oh, it's such a shocker, it's such a surprise, and you just want to pat them all on the head and say, oh, you're so cute when you say that because you can't <laughs> shock us. We all knew Demon Dean was coming. But, you know, it still freaked me out when his eyes just popped open black, even though I was expecting them, and it was still very powerful. And, and getting to that moment was... Yeah, I sorry. think I, the, he looked so dead is what got me. The makeup people did an excellent job. He was the most dead-looking mm-hmm. person that I've seen on the <laughs> show. He looked actually really dead. And I yeah, that was, that was bothering me, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, for being stabbed in the chest with the angel blade, he's, it must be the mark of pain. And, of course, Dean's a very tough, tough guy because he really should have died pretty much the moment Metatron stabbed him. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, but, <laughs> yeah, and also stabbed like that, he should not have been able to talk. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. He didn't talk that much. And and yes, he, he looked horrible and then and then he looked really, really dead. And as often as we've seen uh Sam and Dean die, it was still really hard. It was really traumatizing to see him because he did such a good job and Sam running up and and I know a lot of people had hopes that, you know, Sam would finally save Dean, but I have to note that he still didn't save Dean this time. Not for lack of trying, not for not wanting yeah. to, but he still didn't save him. So I'm, but I'm hoping that we'll move to next season because it's, we've got Dean and Dean, but they're still an out. If we don't want to keep Dean and Dean, they're secure to bring him back to being human, which hopefully Sam can do for him because I do not want it magically waved away easily. I hope Demon Dean stays around for a little while at least because yeah. that's a huge step. I do want to say one thing. We don't know if the cure makes somebody human. We just know it removes the evil. It gives them a conscience back. Uh, that's a, that's theoretically a soul, but we don't know if they're human, which is going to be interesting mm-hmm. to see if 
how that continues on. But I, but Bethany is not there yet. I really. I think that also speaks to the fact that we're not even really sure what Dean is. And I, like right. Vinny and I have had this argument multiple times throughout the year, but because we, they never really defined what kind of a demon Cain was, then mm-hmm. we're, we're not 100% was, sure so. what Dean is. Like, Cain seemed very even-tempered, for example. Um, maybe not in the beginning when, you know, the flashbacks, but as we came to know him. And so I wonder you know, how much of Dean's humanity will remain in him mm-hmm. based on, on what we know and what we don't know. And Cain was in love. I mean, he had his life, his lifelong love with him. Did that color his personality as a demon? And does the mark of Cain make you a different kind of demon? This isn't, and you know, demon being a number three, though. like Crowley says. Uh, we could argue that because Meg, Meg had an evolution of the demon as well, and part of it was just life experience, or whatever, or demon has, but part of it was her emotional tie to, to Cass and to Sam to a degree as well. So we'll have to see if it, if it is some kind of like earthly tie, emotional tie that gets through the demon. I'd like to hope so. I mean, I would imagine that's probably the only thing that would get through to him. I mean, it's it's not only a theme of the show, but I, I feel like that's the only positive way that we could we could see something it, out of all of the you know darkness and all of the horrible things that these brothers have gone through. I feel like that's there's not a lot of hope left, in my opinion, in the show. But like that <laughs> put a little bit of that back. Mhm. Um, and I do, I do think, like, I've seen some, some talk, you know, that this, the mark was almost futile for Dean because he didn't kill Metatron, but the reality is that it's not a hero's journey if he would have killed Metatron this way. Mm-hmm. It would have been an affront to the character. So in that capacity, I agree with it, that it wasn't, that Dean didn't win this way. On the other hand, I I'm really shaky on having to do a Metatron again next year. Yeah. <laughs> Dear Lord, um, please. I agree. It's I nothing against Curtis. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. but, like, just, I kind of feel like that character, I, I don't know, I thought, I, in the beginning when they introduced him, I, I kind of thought there was a lot of potential, and I've always thought um, angels were worse than demons, and I was really excited for them to explore that, but I, I kind of just feel like as we've, spent more time with Metatron, like, he doesn't seem that organized, he doesn't seem that scary, he just seems like that kid who, like, grew up wanting to be a part of things and never quite could, and now is rallying against, like, the kid who was bullied who then became the bully, and I have no, but to me, that's not really an interesting story, especially in terms of, you know, the scope of the show, taking on a big bad, to me, that's not a big bad. So I was really yeah. a big pain in the ass. You know, even if I thought, didn't this year, I was I hoping we would have to see him again. The less we saw of Metatron, the more scary he was. And recently, right. and like last 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 time we saw him, I just thought he was so whiny and annoying and petty. I was like, I wasn't scared at all. But before that, there were a couple of times where he really he really did frighten me. And there was... 
actually a couple moments in this episode, like when he goaded all the all the other homeless people to to stone the angel in the middle. That was that was very creepy. But that there was, was also a lot of like really you said, it was highly but disturbing. Was... But I I don't know if we'll see Metatron again as much because you know. Gadriel was in was in heaven prison for thousands of years and nobody heard a peep out of him. So it'd be nothing worse worse for Metatron to be stuck in that prison with no no way to write, no story to tell yeah. that he loves. So I I actually like that Cass has been saying all along, I don't want to kill, I don't want to kill, and he didn't. He just put Metatron in prison, right. and that's actually worse than being killed. So, yeah, he's you know, it's like it's like Adam, you know, in the cage and yeah. never to be spoken <laughs> of again. I know. I don't think it's exactly like Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know that we talked he's, about this He's a plot. sore spot around here. He's a sore spot around <laughs> I know. here. I'm like, like, damn it, nobody remembers him. <laughs> Obligatory, who's Adam? Right. <laughs> I know. I agree with you. I think from a story perspective, that was that was a fitting uh, way to close Metatron out this season. But because he's there, lingering in the background mm. in the world, I worry that they're gonna that they're gonna use him too much next year. And I I just don't like, I just don't think there's anything really that interesting with him left to do. Like I don't think he's a success. I don't really think he ha- he could be a success. Um, it's, it's very I, similar I, in terms of in terms of Dick Roman. Like I think Dick Roman was a, a fine character. I actually really enjoyed him, and I love I enjoyed the portrayal of him. But did I want to see him for two and a half years? No. Yeah. yeah you have exactly. to know. Yeah. You, you have to know when to let a character go. Right. I think what's most interesting about Metatron is that if you think about it the only times that big bads have really, and correct me if I'm wrong, but have, have survived more than one season was Azazel, and I want to say Lucifer, and maybe a little bit about Lilith, even though we didn't really see her. But those were like the big bads. And for yeah. Metatron, it's almost like, like I don't get his whole, I don't get what he was planning to do. He kicks everybody yeah, out of her. And then he wants them all to follow him. I'm like yeah, I don't think he, I don't think he knew either to be honest. Where is he like, going with this? Yeah. yeah. And if we take him at face value, it is. It, and I said, assuming we take him at face value, it was this is what I wanted. I wanted everybody right. gone, but then I didn't realize that that sucks. And it's right. boring. It's like the you know you get rid of the you don't want the people who are mean to you in your life, but then you kind of still want to be part of the cool kids. And like I I don't know. I just never got a sense of organization, and not just from his character, but, like, the way the character was written. You know, mm-hmm. when you said earlier, sometimes he was really scary, and then sometimes he was really whiny, and I felt like that's, that wasn't intentional. It wasn't like sometimes he was meek and whiny. Other than the first episode where we met him, he wasn't, like, intentionally trying to be a sniveling little brat. I just think sometimes he came off that way because that, that was the nature of that character. Mm. And I, I, I feel like at some point the writers decided that that would make him seem, like, approachable or relatable, but it's not, actually. You don't want to be around someone who's like that. Right. I mean, I do think that, yeah, maybe made him a little relatable, but, yeah, we know those people in our lives. We don't want them in our lives. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 
if that's an intention, I think then it would have backfired. I mean, it, it kind of works. You may you may recognize those traits, and you may be able to relate to them more than you could relate to the fact that he's an angel. But I mean, I, I don't know. I think I think we're at a point in the show where I don't need to relate to every character. Like I've suspended my disbelief, and I accept the fact that there are demons and monsters and angels. And sometimes it, I think it's a little bit of a stronger statement when you when you don't hit people over the head with with similarities or you know, and, and that maybe is more of an issue I had with a different part of the season that I don't need to bring up here. But that um, it came across listening a little bit. With you know, you are watching a show that loves its anvils, so. I know. <laughs> and oh, never no. They have a whole season. collection of them, and they're in a room, and I they know. just pick out ones of different weights and fling them out, you know, <laughs> during every episode. I think organization... I feel like organization was an overall issue this season. Um, mm. And we just uh, all of us have discussed on the podcast and then, you know, air quote behind closed doors about this, but that it was really strange that you didn't know where the focus was in the season. Mm. Even in retrospect, mm. I don't know. You know, you start off with Dean's going off to kill Gadriel. That's why he embraces the mark, also because he's really, you know, hurt by and whatever. And then it becomes an obsession with Abaddon, and then it becomes an obsession with Metatron, but really it's Cass's issue with Metatron, so why is Metatron the big bag of fat of the finale, but also shouldn't Sam be more upset at real? But then yeah. Crowley be the one after Abaddon? Like, it, it's just... It, mm. it, felt, it didn't feel like they were... I wanted to connect everybody to everybody, but it didn't feel that way. Yeah, I was going to no, say, like... I, it never was. I liked it in, you know, I liked it in theory. Like, I liked the idea that, yeah, it's Crowley's fight with Abaddon, and yeah, it's Cass's fight with Metatron, but they now need the boys to help them. I like that it, it's expanded from two people fighting these things to we bring in Cass and Crowley, and now it's a slightly expanded team. Um, but I do, I do agree with you. I think that... There, the through line wasn't super clear at a lot of times. And, um, I, I said this recently in something that I wrote that, you know, I kind of felt like at a lot of points individual episodes and individual stories were isolated. Like they, were, they felt like they were written in an isolation um, rather than, mm-hmm. hey, let's keep in mind all the themes we have this season and let's pepper in a little bit of everything in each script so people see where things are going and, and hey, we didn't forget about this over here. It kind of just felt like there was, a, there was a clear task for each individual episode and a lot of the other stuff, if it wasn't for that particular episode, it just got lost. And I will be honest, like speaking for myself, as somebody who didn't recap the season um, and wasn't writing full-time for most of the season, there were definitely things that I forgot about because they weren't, in the story for a long time, and then they pop up, and I go, "Oh, that was this season. Whatever happened to that?" And it mm-hmm. just, I don't know. It feel a little. I like will say, point. as as someone who recapped most of the season and then did weekly podcasts, I still had the same problem. Mm. Well, mm. I, I feel better knowing that. I'll say that. I thought. Like, yeah, I it's not, not you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I think it's. 
it was a little bit like a like a the later Batman movies where there were so many villains where one villain or maybe two would have been just fine, but it was like we got Batman, Robin, Poison Ivy, Mister Freeze, the Riddler, and everything all at once and trying to juggle. And I thought the finale for having so many different things actually was starting to pull everything together and actually did a, yeah, did as too. good a job as it could. And But I think, and it was Jeremy Carver, and, I, you know, Jeremy Carver needs to write more than the beginning and the end of the season episodes. <laughs> I, I wish he'd write a couple more and scatter them out because they, and have less threads, make them bigger but less threads, and make sure that there's enough reminders through the season. Forever, for a while, every single week on this podcast, I said, I don't think anybody's worried enough about the mark of Cain because Dane oh, yeah, got the mark of Cain, and then yeah, yeah. we didn't really talk about it for a while. And it was like, okay, we'll go off and do it here. And then, like, that, that horrible thing they wanted to call a spinoff, Bloodlines, it was like, all of this is coming together, and, and the mark of Cain, and Gadgel, and everything, and Metatron is blowing up, and, oh, let's go to Chicago and yeah. check out some, yeah, that, some that monster families. So that was another thing. And that was, you know, they wasted a whole episode on on that tangent. I mean, it seems... The main story. It seems... It seems awfully simplistic to say, but I think that every season that has been successful has been successful because in the season premiere, they've said, this is the goal for the season. And from there, right. it's not that it's necessarily been paint by numbers. It's just that the first episode and the last episode, they got you from point A to point B. I think that the reason something like um, season six, because now that I think back on it, I'm like, what, what was actually the end goal of season six besides curing, like giving Sam his soul back? I honestly can't remember. So maybe I'm wrong, but even something like with the Leviathan or closing the gates of hell. Yeah. I have a lot of problems with those seasons, but they worked a lot better than this season because we knew in the premiere, this is your goal that you are working towards. And even when they ended up not achieving the goal in season eight, at least you felt that the season had coherency. Whereas in this season, I'm just like, what are you guys doing with this? How are you going to bring this all together? And as much as Jeremy Carver did bring it all together in the end, I'm like, it doesn't matter because basically you still brought together all of these ridiculous pieces of ugly wool that not that the storylines were all necessarily ugly, but just the point is that I'm like, I I don't, I still don't see the coherency in all of this. And so it's my hope that they take, I don't know how much, you know, they hear this kind of stuff or read it or, or think whether or not their own, you know, attempts were successful or, or could be improved on. But I really hope that we establish a goal in the season 10 premiere and we work towards it. And they stop doing this idea of, like, each half season is almost a season onto itself. And even though there's a common thread, it's very marked in the middle. Mm-hmm. That it's almost like, yeah. and now begins part B, and part B doesn't necessarily, like, and it was very pronounced this season, I feel. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, I'll say that this this late into a series run, like, I commend the writers for taking the, the chance and, and trying to do so much in the season. Like, I would love it if it had worked if it worked out, because I think that to, to stay sharp and, and to take risks in stories where, 
let's face it, they've pretty much done everything already. Demons, angels, multiple deaths, you know. I think that to be able to juggle those pieces, you know, that's kind of your next evolutionary step in terms of writing. But I don't think it necessarily worked out the way that maybe they wanted it to. And, I mean, I agree with you. I think, like, when it comes together in the end, when the finale ties things together, the finale, it's a little too late because because you had... Mm -hmm. In this case, you've had 22 episodes, 23 episodes of a season, and some of them were just complete filler episodes where it's a case of the week, which it can be a fun case of the week. I loved Slumber Party. I thought it was super fun, but it really had nothing to do with these bigger issues. And when you have these bigger issues looming, mm-hmm. I find it really hard for them to, for, for myself mm-hmm. to justify, like, why they would take time out of these bigger issues to deal with this little thing over here in the corner because they know in the past as characters and especially as writers, like they know what's at stake and they know, you know, let's we know we get up to a certain point in the story and in the episode and they cram in a ton of um, heavy heavy mythology and sometimes it feels rushed. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this season, I don't, I feel like we got like little drips of stuff and then it only really came together at the very, very last minute. And well, I, I mean, mean I'll don't know, I don't know everything. I think the problem everything with the about is that it was all too little, too late, too. Right. I feel mm-hmm. like the whole Metatron thing ended up being rushed for what it was, considering how long we have to hear him monologue. I thought that <laughs> as much as I enjoyed the brother stuff, I also feel like they didn't spend enough time on it considering how fractured they were throughout the season. Um, Mm. Like, really, I think the only story that got to develop at an interesting pace and at a a solid pace, now that I think about it and didn't occur to me till this moment, but was everything with Crowley. I felt, I Mm -hmm. actually feel that Crowley, and I said this to someone today, was the best and most consistent written character all season long in terms of what they were trying to do with him. And I feel mm. like his story developed well in terms of how he manipulated Dean and achieved yeah. the goal and all of that. But everything else seems it was too fast, it was too slow, it was too late. But for some yeah. reason Crowley seems to emerge as, you know, the not that there weren't other bright spots, but just in terms of the consistency, he was the bright, consistent spot. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I, I think that's, that's fair. And I think a lot of it, too, is setting it up for the next season, you know? I mean, you, you talk, like talking about having a goal from the season premiere, I feel like season, this, this whole season feels like it's, set, it's just setting up what the new challenge for season 10 is, okay, now look what happened to Dean, and look at how Crowley manipulated Dean, and now we need to fix this problem, right? So I, I don't know. Like I, I kind of wish if they had known they, they were going that route, they would have just put their cards on the table earlier and not waited until the end of season nine because, to me, that's interesting. And, you like, I sat through a lot of stuff that I didn't find particularly interesting to, and to now wait a bunch of months for something that would be really interesting. And like I said, I'm going to play devil's advocate and I'm going to say, I think the episodes that we thought were filler yeah. weren't. Because Which I feel, and I've said this a couple times um, in, in different 
venues, but I feel like the myth arc, what we think was a myth arc was not the myth arc. Dean was a myth arc, and I don't mean what, I don't mean the mark of Cain. I mean Dean. Dean's oh, emotion. Okay, let, let me let me clarify. I think when I when I say things when I talk about certain episodes that I think are filler, um, I'm not disagreeing that I think you can see Dean's progression over the season. But I feel like if that was the only point of those episodes, those episodes weren't. But just not. But just it, it's going to sound harsh, and I'm going to get a lot of shit for this. But like that's not enough. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, I agree. I agree. I think that was the, the point. The emotional stuff is important. And I, but I think the execution, ahead. yeah, I think that, I'm saying that I think that that was the point. I'm most certainly not saying that it was executed well because I don't think that it was. Yeah, um, I mean. And I think in part it was the, it was them trying to nail it to it, nail it home for us so hard. And mm. when you do that, your audience resents you for thinking, for you implying that you think they don't get it, that they, you don't think they're smart enough to get it. And it becomes well, it becomes like, it becomes a battle between the audience and the, and the narration, where you feel like the, you feel like the story is talking to you, and it's right. it's, it's it's awkward. But for lack I, also of a like word. It, I also kind of feel like it underestimates the actors because if mm-hmm. they know that they they have to get their character from point A to point B on any given day, whether it's in a scene, in an episode, or in a season, and that's what they do. Like, they can they can show you that emotion, whether they're having a conversation with each other or in a, you know, in a big fight scene or whatever. And so, like, I feel like when you take them into certain episodes where you don't give them anything interesting to do, other than that emotion, that I, I just feel like that's unfair to them as, as much as as it is to the audience because like it's putting so much focus on this one thing that really should just be one piece of a really interesting puzzle, but it's making the whole thing about this one piece. I agree. I, I don't know. I mean, like, I love the emotional stuff. But I just feel like I want to see it in a way that feels like real. <laughs> I don't want to feel yeah. that. I'll admit that I'm hypercritical of this season. This is a season where I'm I can't figure out if I wasted my time or not. Because yeah, I, feel like I, was, I feel that way too. And I didn't go into it expecting to feel that way at all. I really no. liked the beginning of the season. Exactly. I listed Devil May Care, which was the second episode, mm-hmm. as my top episode for this season. Really, you shouldn't be looking at your at your second episode of a season and and having people say that one was my favorite. Mm. And That's I, the point. I'm not the I'm not the only one who has listed that. I was talking to a few people on Twitter the other day, and multiple people chimed in and said, "Yeah, that's my favorite too." Your second episode of the season should not be a universal high point. Yeah. Um. I also think, and this is going to be, again, hypercritical, but I find it strange that, for me, two of my top episodes in this season and two of my bottom episodes were both, top to bottom, written by the same writers. So my bottom episode was Slumber Party, and my top episode, one of my top episodes was First Born, and my other bottom episode was Thin Man, because I took out 
bloodlines is an option, but the reality is that there was bloodlines. <laughs> and then and then and then I have a top episode of Bill May Care. So that's Robbie and Andrew on both spectrums. And I find that really interesting about them, about me, and about the storytelling. Yeah. That especially yeah, for like for Dob, it was you did really good at the beginning for me, and you petered out. And for Robbie, it was a flip up. It was a flip of that mm. in a way. And it makes me wonder. You know, they've all said it's a it's a very collaborative effort in the writers' room, and it makes me wonder to what degree, and is it a detrimental degree that it's so collaborative? I want to. I want to know. Like the writers' room is supposedly like a writers' room. Everybody's gathered in one room, and everybody writes separately, but they're supposed to come together and talk. And then I know that well, sometimes on some shows, the showrunner goes. A lot of writers goes. No, over, yeah, they do actually have on every offices. script. So I, I don't know exactly how Supernatural works that yeah. works that way. But it's kind of odd when there's all these sort of ups and downs and threads forgotten or things that should be mentioned or, or carried over and then they're not. And I'm like, do you guys actually talk or read each other's words or go over things just to make sure everything matches? Or despite the fact you say there's a writer's room, is there really just nobody writes together? So I, I will I say, I thought Mother's Little Helper was going to end up to be an important episode. I thought this is setting up something. Nope. Really? Oh, yeah. The the whole soul thing ended up being dropped. It just occurred to me. I don't um, like. like it, can't, it can't remotely still continue to be important if Abaddon is dead. So, nope, we're done with that. Yeah. And I so, again, you like, go back to what was the point of that? Did you waste 42 minutes of my time? Yeah. I, I mean, I think that... I, Yo oh, McKinney is never a waste of time, let's be honest. <laughs> wow. I mean, I, this, this, is saying, true. Like, this is so true. On the page, it totally Indeed. seems like that should be, there should be some bigger tie-in here. But I don't know. There, there was a certain point in the episode, I think it was like maybe just, I don't remember the exact scene, but there was definitely a point when I was watching the episode and I, I kind of paused it and I went, you know what, I don't think this is going anywhere just because of the way... <laughs> the way the story was unfolding, and I was like, I still enjoyed the episode. I, I just, yeah. And I, I will say that I enjoyed the picture. I literally enjoyed, you know, it's funny that you say that, that it gets said, but what I enjoyed was Henry Winchester, Gil, and Elena, you yeah. know, I enjoyed Avedon. I didn't actually, and yeah. for me, this, this makes me, as a fan, angry. I didn't enjoy Sam Winchester because I didn't feel like he was remotely important to the story. He could no, have been fair. anybody. It could have been, this could have been, that episode could have been like Bitten, where it was a bunch of people that we'd never met before. Okay. No, stop it. It should never be like that ever again. That was bad. No. I didn't mind Bitten. I loved Bitten. I loved it. I, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, do I, I want to see it all the time? No, but I enjoyed it for no. what it was. And because it was early in the season last year, like, I didn't, I was like, all right, you got this out of your, your way. You're not going to do this as filler at the end of the year. Fine. I'll, I'll, I'll accept it. But I don't know. I'm Whatever. That was last season. We don't need to, we don't need to <laughs> get angry about it again. <laughs> yeah. Although I do kind of feel like that was Bloodlines this year. It was, like, yeah. my problem with Bloodlines 
as a supernatural episode was very similar to my problem with Fitton. But anyway, um, well, and and going off that, the the fact that it didn't get picked up, but it it will forever be a part of our narrative, is yeah. really annoying. Yeah, I mean, I kind of and I I said this um, on Twitter after they they announced they weren't picking it up. I kind of wonder though if like the writers and the producers, if they liked any of those actors enough, if they would bring them into Supernatural for an episode if they would have Sam and Dean, depending on, obviously, the, the overall mythology and where that takes them next year, if they would have them have to revisit Chicago for any reason. Well, and what I said is, okay, I do think they had a couple up, of but now out. they're still, yeah, it didn't get picked up, so there's still five monster crime families in Chicago. Right. Are we going to deal with that? No. I mean, I, that's what, I mean, so maybe that I hope that's yeah. such a rhetorical question. I'm not even going to <laughs> Yeah. They're all just going to come together over some deep dish pizza. Let's be honest. Everything's going to be okay. <laughs> we're going out for pasta, and that's it. Supposedly they've been there. If we're lucky time. when Death and stops also, by for pizza, he'll just deal with all of them for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing. What, it, what, what Bloodline did was, um, and excuse me if this has been said before because I missed our Bloodlines podcast, um, but what Bloodlines did was it's, it, 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 there was an implied insult to John, to Bobby, to Rufus, to the Campbell, to the Winch, to the Men of Letters, the Winchesters. There's an implied insult that they were all oblivious to this. Mm. It's, an, it's an insult almost to death as well because he was in Chicago. Like, and he's done so much in oh, Chicago. Yeah. And Meg didn't know, really? The Princess of Hell, she didn't know either? Okay. And so you took this big leap to insult your narrative, and in the end, it was all for naught. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't think anybody went into it hoping that it wouldn't work out. You know, like, and this is, I don't want to get too too off topic, but, like, in a similar vein, Arrow this season changed a lot of its themes and its narrative because of The Flash. They wanted the audience to accept The Flash, and it worked out for them. And so, you know, that that audience will just have to accept that the world of Arrow is forever changed. Obviously, but it's one thing to change your world in, in season two. It's another thing to change your world in well, season right. nine. I was going to say, I think that part of the issue here is because it's so late in the game and because there's so many different um, different family, monster clans and that have that we already know about werewolves and vampires and gin and everything, and they've kind of changed that for this thing that ultimately didn't go anywhere. But I, I do wonder like if it didn't if it did go somewhere, if it would be brought up in, in that series, uh, you know, as to why they were so under the radar. Obviously it doesn't matter because it didn't get picked up and I'm not even sure that they were thinking along those lines. But No, but uh, I do think it's a lesson to them that given that they're yeah. going to attempt to spin off again, yeah. you should make sure that your backdoor pilot, because I'm sure they'll do that again. Um, I don't know. They, they, well, I think they, they learned, learned a hard lesson. I hope they've learned that lesson, but, you know, they did it with the originals and it worked, so they, they have a 50-50 shot. Um, sure. But it should work within your show with or without the pickup. And I don't think... Right. I don't think that level of care was put into it. And really, at the end of the day, the show that already exists is the more important one because that's the, that's what yeah. you're getting the patient for. 
And the thing mm. is, like, it worked with the originals because we were following characters we already knew and cared about into this new setting. Mm-hmm. So I think, if anything, the biggest lesson they learned might have been that, was, hey, you know what, if we're going to do all these things, if we're going to change part of the world and, and change the, the canon and move to this one hub of a city rather than traveling the way that we always have, we need to make sure that there's someone in there that's recognizable that people already care about. Um, and I mean, like, honestly, part of my personal criticism of Bloodlines was just that, like, for nine years we've been told that we need to kill monsters, and and they now that we've got a show that wants us to care about them. And I was like, mm, no, not within this world. I don't. Sorry. Yeah. There was a there was a gift going around, and it was initially on Tumblr, of course, but it made it to Twitter, and it was um, Dean answering the phone, and he turns to Sam and says cast, blah, 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 we need to go, blah, blah, and Sam tells him, should I be dealing with this? And he goes, I just want to go back to my own show. And that's how <laughs> I felt watching it. Yeah. I yeah. didn't feel like, oh, I want to follow this. I felt like, I just want to go back to Supernatural. Yeah, but I wonder, though, if, like, people tuned in that weren't Supernatural fans, if they would have felt that or if they would have just said, I don't think so, because I don't think it was well executed even as a standalone. Um, I just don't. Yeah, it's hard because I honestly, like, I don't know anybody that watched it that didn't already watch Supernatural. I'm just I'm just saying, like, in general, it should stand on its own. So I agree. I'm sure, I'm sure there are people of, like, the fans of the Vampire Diaries actor because he's got a very right. devoted following from what I, from what I recall. And he was the best part of the episode, so. Yeah, I mean, he was, I thought he was. I honestly thought he was great for, you know, what he was given to do with that role. I thought he was lots of fun. He sort of reminded me of early Supernatural Dean, really. Yes, I agree. But again, I think, and I do think the, the problem with, and I don't want to spend all of our time talking about bloodlines because, good God, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I think also the problem was that it, it, it borrowed too many of the wrong things. And you know, you, you, you borrow Dean's attitude, you borrow... The girlfriend dies and says, you want a mission? The wife dies and says, yeah. you want a mission? You borrow those kind of things, and you're borrowing yeah. the wrong, you're borrowing from the wrong part. You know, you can't start your, you can't start your spinoff the same, nearly the same way that your original series starts. True. And, I mean, the fact that, the, you know, one of the main characters was just entering this world, like, we're nine years ahead of him. You know, like, mm-hmm. I think that's a problem. Yeah. If so you were, you know, if you're... Yeah, if you're a fan that had chosen to follow it, you would have spent your whole time going, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, and, like, where's the bigger picture, too? Like, if you're, I mean, not that they should deal with the same myth arcs, but, you know, we're watching this going, hey, on Supernatural, they've got a, they've got an angel who's, you know, waging war, and on this show, why are they not concerned about the bigger, you know, that bigger threat as opposed to... And I think that was something that, like, Angel the series versus Buffy mm-hmm. was conscious of. You know, they, they kept their mythology clean, and mm-hmm. when they had these huge apocalyptic issues, they yeah. every now and then made sure to remember that, oh, let's call such and such in Sunnydale, or, hey, I know somebody yeah. in L.A., they were very right. conscious of keeping the mythology clean. Right. And that's the thing, because, like, they live in the same world. So you need to acknowledge the world. You can't just say, hey, these characters are going to come over here for a little while and then it's not going to matter anymore. Because it ultimately should if it's all connected. 
Yep. But all right, hopefully, we, we don't... hopefully the next okay. one borrows from existing characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I don't know yeah. who that is. I don't know if it's involving bringing back, you know, somebody that we haven't seen for a while. I don't know who they're going to want to build it yeah. around, but hopefully it's someone more familiar Every knowledgeable. single character I would like it built around, I know the CW is not going to push that person for the demographic that they want. Well, but here's the thing. Like, they don't have to be the lead. Like, yeah, I'm thinking that, too. Because that's the they thing. They can like, still I would love, I would love to characters. be about Jody, but, it's, but I don't think that they would let her be the lead of the show because of the demographic. But right. I don't see why she couldn't be a supporting character on that show, and she's an entryway in for the Supernatural fans, and she could still be a part of Supernatural proper. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously I have no idea what they want to do and, and what that story is going to take and if it's even going to happen, but um, there are ways to do it where you're still serving your audience and you're still serving your the you know the actors that have done well for you and you're still serving yeah. the demographic. But hey, how about that season finale, huh? Demon Dean. <laughs> there was a season finale. What's that? Well, um, and going, going, going back to season finale, and another criticism <laughs> I have, and it kind of, it kind of ties into what we're saying about bloodlines, and is that I feel like I really could have taken Sam and Dean out of this episode for almost the entirety of it, and the episode would have continued on as as was, mm. and that. That's a disservice oh. to your main characters. Hmm. Uh, what I did they from the emotional impact? What did they serve in, in ter- They did nothing. At the end of the day, oh, like, at the end of the day, Cass saved the day. Cass broke the tablet. Yeah. Cass got the right. angel to turn on Metatron. Cass incarcerated yeah. Metatron. Yeah. Sam and Dean did nothing. Sam did nothing. Oh, oh I don't Look, care about that. that. We thought... We got to see Sam and Dean care. Uh, finally, you know, we got to see them bond again, and we got to hear Sam admit that he lied, uh, which was a okay, huge thing through the whole episode. And let's take into consideration th- that Jared is the one who added that line. So remove that, that line. Remove that That's line. That's point. And you're back to having the same issue I'm talking about. But I'll say this. Jared like, had not stepped in. What? If Jared had not stepped in and added what that line implies, the impact of it, it changes. It changes. It changes. It changes the entire emotional yeah. arc of, of Sam for the season. Without that, had it remained the same, while we still get Sam caring about Dean in the end, or admitting that he cares about Dean, or however you want to rephrase it, yeah. You have to wonder what what the writers are what the writers are implying by by almost literally saying I don't need my lead characters to to finish out my season or to tell my story. But I will say, like as much as as much as we've always seen, look, they're the leads of the show, and so for the longest time it was just them. And every season finale, they were either saving the day or there was or something would go wrong and. I just feel I do feel like this time around it was was realistic the way things went down. Like they're just men. And the fact that Cass had to be the one to lock away Metatron made sense to me because he is on a different level because he has 
abilities that they don't have. The fact that Dean was brought down by the, by the blade, like that, made, that I didn't like seeing that because I don't, you know, obviously want him to fail. But at the same time, that felt a little bit more realistic than if he had succeeded and they had just like wiped their hands on their way. No, I agree. And like I said, Dean shouldn't have but, won by those means. But I don't, oh, I don't no. understand why. I don't. This is, I guess, my thing, and I, I am coming from it as such a like a blatant Sam fan. But, but I, then I, I was actually where was any resolution for Sam in this season? He forgave Metatron, uh, Metatron, Gadriel, but then he no. doesn't even know Gadriel's dead. He was, like, willing to give Gadriel a chance. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, but he doesn't get resolution for that. He doesn't get resolution for Metatron being the instigator of Gadriel killing, uh, killing Kevin through his body. He doesn't mm-hmm. even get... And I, this is a really touchy thing to say, but he doesn't even get the resolution with Dean. He, yeah. he literally has to say, fine, I'm over it. Which you do yeah. in, in those moments, but he literally has to say, fine, I'm over it. I'm over the justifiable anger I have with you that I haven't gotten to play out with this entire season. I've had the entire season of people telling me Essentially, to shut up about his feelings. You know, yeah. he's telling he's telling half this is this and this, and half like, nope, you're wrong. You have to keep living, and what Dean did was right, and get over it. And he has all these side characters coming in and telling him, okay, you're mad, but what you and your brother have is special, which is true. But no one's listening to what Sam is saying about what he went through, and he gets yeah, one outburst that- at the end of the season that is still not validated. I, I mean, I think that that they should have. I don't know if I, I think that's a season finale issue. I think that's like when they when they got back when they um, confronted Meta, uh, Gadriel again at the end of the season. I think that's where that should have come in. I think we mm-hmm. should have spent more time on all of that. I, I just I think feel that like, should have been a better scene between Sam and Gadriel coming to terms with each other. Because I don't think. But yeah, I, I Gadriel and Cass having a moment. Right, and Cat feels him. Okay. Right, and I, I mean I do agree with you. Like I don't, I don't think there was as much resolution as there could have been. But I also feel like the the way the season went, where there, where we talked about earlier, like there just didn't seem to be a lot of natural flow or organization. Like I wasn't surprised by that. Like at the, you know, when we get to the end of the the episode, and Sam is trying to summon Crowley, and I'm like, oh, we're back here again. Like, we're just at a point where... I I do feel, and Clarissa, you and I had talked about this, but, and wrote extensively about it, but that it had to be, it had to be a point where Dean knew how to let go and Sam knew how to stop pushing away, running away. And so we did get that. Dean let go and Sam went, no. Right. for their world, for the world they live in and, and what they go through, there was that progression. It was there. I just don't know if it was forefront enough. I just, I don't, yeah, I guess I kind of feel like the way that that scene came across for me was, yeah, Dean let go, but I kind of felt like Sam was going through the motions of this is what we do. Like, I have to try to save him because this is what we do. 
you know, and like obviously the the time he didn't try to find him, it did not go well. So I don't know that I felt it was a real progression other than a cross, like a, I don't know what the word I want is, like a, just the, the next step, you know, like the, we still have, we're still not where we need to be. And to get to that step, we just need to do this. Like, I don't know if I felt it was as I, genuine. I feel like it was a, I feel like it was more genuine than what happened at the end of season seven, beginning of season eight, because this time mm-hmm. Sam was actually confronted with Dean's body. Whereas when Dean huh. disappeared, and I don't want to say out of sight, out of mind, because that's not what I'm trying to insinuate, but that's so much more difficult than like literally placing your brother in his bed, which by the way, I hope to right. God the man changes the sheets. That creeped me out. Yeah, but he was washing sheets. He wasn't business number one as demon. Wash your damn sheets, dude. Oh, Um, but after that, I'm like, how do you deal with something like that? Because your next logical thing is going outside and burning your brother's body, like you did with Kevin. So I feel like. I feel like because he was faced with the physical evidence of Dean dying, that felt a little bit like his next step felt more real to me. I know people argue, you know, would he have made a deal? Would he have not made a deal? I don't know what he would have done. I don't know what right. Crowley would have had the power to do because he's not technically anymore. Brother summoning me to, to make a deal. But, like, I felt that was genuine, but I also felt like... It was too late. But at the same time, it leaves me hopeful for next year that I feel like even yeah. though we don't know what will happen and what and, and how how much they could stretch Dean being a demon simply because of the structure of the show and the way that they do, you know, one-off episodes versus, you know, episodes. When blah, blah, blah. you say it's too late, what do you mean? What do you... Uh, too late in the sense that... It, I don't want to say too little, too late, because I felt that oh, the way okay. it was appropriate for what happened. But I also feel like, I feel like, and and even though I know now that Jared changed the line, I feel like you wasted so much damn time to get to this, and you, and it's almost like you made the brothers fight just to get Dean to open his eyes and they're black, and that's yeah. like almost. Yeah, yeah. Like before, the the fighting was a natural byproduct of the myth arc. Whereas now, I feel like you did this. And yes, I agree, there was growth and there was progression. And I feel like on the day that you know Dean becomes whatever he becomes after this, he's cured or he becomes human or whatever. I feel like God willing, they'll be in a better place. But now, looking back on it, knowing how it ended, even though technically you could telegraph how it was going to end, um, I feel like you you broke them up just so that Dean could have black eyes. And, like, for Sam to admit that at the very end, it was too late. Like, for people who I, watch the show, for this relationship, yeah. feel like, you know, it, the show benefits from this relationship, even if they don't get along 24-7. I'm like, dude, you, you, you made them fight so that Dean could become a demon. I don't know. You're, not, That's, you're also not telling like, me. I, I don't see how, I don't think their fighting had anything to do with him becoming a demon. I don't see how they're connected. 
No, no, she's not saying well, that. She's saying... On, no, but I'm saying he took on... Had they been in a better place, I don't believe that Dean would have been so eager to take on the mark of Cain. And had they been in a better place, Sam might have been more concerned and trying to find a solution to yeah. the effects that Dean was feeling. I feel that they are directly related. I feel that had mm-hmm. they been in a better place, we would not have ended up necessarily in this place. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if I agree that he wouldn't have taken on a mark, because I do feel like Dean, like, that's what Dean does, is, like, he wants to solve the problems, and he will sacrifice himself if that's what it means. But I do I do think that there's – it's really, to me, unforgivable that Sam didn't notice more of what was going on with Dean, and, like, that not Sam as a character, but, like, that the writers didn't write to that more, to say, like, look at how Dean is changing and maybe the people who are close to him should be concerned and be trying to do something about this because we've seen how bad things can get when they go on too long. So, I mean, that's... Especially being told that this is... Being told this is a mirror of season four by, by, you know, being told it and it being blatantly obvious that it is, okay, well, Mm -hmm. Sam's gone through a version of this and, right, especially that. I was just gonna and say, had they like, been on better terms, had they been on better terms, they would have been working towards the goal better. You wouldn't have had scenes where Dean's been up all night researching and Sam could care less, or you wouldn't right. have Sam kind of researching about it in secret, or right. Dean. You know, you wouldn't have had those moments. Um, but you have to question, like for me, when you when you remove the point of view of a character, and then you have to question their motivations, but you're not given why. Like, for me, yeah. okay, you're pissed, Sam, and I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't be pissed. You have every right to be pissed. So why are you still living there? Why are you yeah. still saying, why are you still begging Dean to go on hunts with you? Why are you getting butthurt when Dean's not inviting you to a hunt? Why are you getting upset that he's lying to you? Yeah. You kind of lose that right when you're not explaining yourself. Well, that that spoke to how all season long I felt that we never got Sam's real point of view. And there's a difference between saying a character has, you know, a lot of scenes in an episode and they have a lot of lines. But if your lines are not directly addressing the central conflict or the story, like the last two episodes or the first two episodes after Sam became Sam again and Dean got the mark of Cain, you know, the purge and, and the end of the Garth episode, I can't remember. Um, but like all we got was three minutes of conversation and everybody trailed off the end of their set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like literally, I was like, my God. Yeah, yeah. You, can you can literally see the on the script. You can literally see the list on the script. Dot, dot, dot. So I'm just like, you're not explaining, like, I got Dean's point of view, even though, yes, I feel that they didn't explain it enough verbally, but I got it. But Sam's, and that's not, uh, that's not a criticism in terms of the acting. That's like you literally are not putting the words in Sam's mouth for him to say, and I don't get that. And they had so much more of this discussion in season four. And even if you want to say, you know, you're you're basically beating a dead horse with it, but it's important because I understood right. Sam's motivation 
in season four, and I understood Dean's anger and his frustration and his fear, and I didn't get any of that here. And and the thing is, I, don't think, I don't think it would be beating a dead horse. I think because it is so much later and it is a role reversal and because the person now who's on the other side has experience similar enough to the, you know, being in, his, in Dean's shoes, like, I don't think it would have been beating a dead horse to give Sam some of that. Like, I criticize exposition more than anybody else, but I don't think in this case it would have been that. It, it would have been, an in, like, an entryway into how Sam is feeling and thinking and, you know, what's driving his actions, but I don't think it would have been unnecessary. And I don't, I honestly don't understand why they didn't do it because they give you so much exposition all the time, but about the stuff that's important, they don't felt, they don't have the conversations. I do think it's important to note that this is the third time that Sam has had to clean up Dean's dead body. Um, He had to do it at the end of season three he had to do it within season three for mystery spots on the final death. He had to do it yeah. at the end, and now he's doing it here. And this is the first time that we've gotten to see his reaction to it or him having to deal with it at all, whereas we did see that with Dean as early as season two. So I, I, do, I do like that they gave Sam that, finally. Yeah, yeah I feel like at the very last minute. Yeah. yeah, again, it, it, it is, like you said, that, that too little, too late kind of feeling. Especially and in a season also, like this where you've been saying you don't care the whole season. And, I, I mean, I do think that, like, that can be a powerful message. Like, to watch somebody go through that and, and have, it, have it dawn on them, like, hey, if we, had a, if we just had these conversations earlier, maybe we wouldn't be here right now. But that wasn't the scene. Like, that wasn't the realization and it maybe you know maybe it shouldn't have been, but I still do feel like because it wasn't, there was a lot that time that I just wished it had been spent differently. And I think one of the for me one of the overarching issues with Sam this season is, and it was a, it was literally played out in this in that scene. Is Jared is so good at acting without saying anything, and, you know, we even got, in Metafiction, we got Robbie telling us, well, Sam had a line, too, but Jared was so good with his eyes that we didn't feel the line was necessary, so we cut it, which I have a whole other Oprah box of issues about. (laughs) She had a lot of issues. I can confirm. confirm. This was, yeah, there was was anger, and Becky and Clarissa can totally vouch for my anger. Because uh, they get the brunt of all my crazy guys. You don't even know the crazy that they have to deal with. But, um, so yeah, Jared's great in those silent moments at the end of this episode. And then you cut to this fantastic monologue by Marcus Crowley. And it's just, it, it's one of those things that you're, you're seeing there because it's Mark and because it's Crowley, it's fantastic. And you, it harkens back to the end of a clip show where he just can deliver the end of an episode like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. But in hindsight, what are you telling me about your technical main character? Yeah. I mean, I, I do think I mean, at this, point, at this point, Sam being the main character is a technicality. It's an on-paper technicality because Sam and Dean are the equal, are the equal main characters. 
But on paper and in the original conception, Sam was the main character. So what are you telling me about your on-paper main character? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, I look, I'm I'm all for it if they if you know if the four of them as regulars next year become more of an ensemble because I do think that takes some of the weight off. Um, but I think that it, it needs to be balanced. You know, I mean, you can't suddenly re- replace one of who used to be the leads with someone who who was recurring or you know started regular. You know, and if the setup is going to be Dean and, Dean and Crowley raising hell, pun so intended, and Cass and Sam trying to figure out how to fix it, that's great. And I think all those characters, all those actors work well together. And I thoroughly enjoy the dynamics between Sam and Cass, and I enjoy the dynamics between yeah. Dean and Crowley. But at the end of the day, this show is about the Winchester brothers, and so how long can you really keep them separate and keep your audience thoroughly engaged? But I think I don't think that I don't think that the uh, keeping them separate would be a long game. I, I feel like yeah, you're gonna you're gonna play Demon Dean for a little while because that, that's something new and interesting. But I don't think like a physical separation is is going to be the answer. But then the question is... I feel like we might have benefited from being going demon earlier in this season and having it carry on to 10 versus ending, yeah. ending with it happening point. and carrying into 10. I think yeah. it, I think we would have benefited from it being not the final act but more of a climax and coming into 10 as a, as a conclusion. I agree because I do feel like a lot of even... You know, I, 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 like this is going to sound so horrible and like just you're going to... I'm going to reveal my dead soul to you, but, like, I, I'm a very cynical person, and so because this show has has established beats that you can see coming, and they always do, you know, the same points uh, in, different, in different seasons, I, you know, you know it's coming. You know that Dean mm-hmm. is going is gonna to die, and what's going to happen, like, it's, it's really not about that act anymore. It's about the where does it go from there. And so I, I spent a good amount of the finale, like, ultimately just waiting for the moment when his eyes opened. And because that was the very last moment, I kind of felt like, well, there's a lot of, of things that in the episode were interesting and emotional, but because I anticipated them, and I don't know if that's just me as a cynical critic or if it's because I know the show well or whatever, but, like, when I anticipate something and then you end it there, I just feel like I've, I've been cheated a little bit. Like, I need to see a little bit. I want you to go a little bit more, like, a little bit beyond that quote-unquote shock to, to show me what really is coming, to show me what really you can do. And, like, it goes back to what I said earlier. I don't want you to hold your cards back. Like, it's if if you know that this is where it's going, play it a little early and, and don't draw things out just because you can. You know, like because don't be afraid to burn through Your audience shouldn't be able to do what we all did. It, you have to, whether right. I wasn't I wasn't very emotionally attached to the season finale. It opened with the with with the then with Carrie Amway's son, and this is the first time 
because we have gotten that song in all seasons. Granted, in season one, we got it in the penultimate episode instead of the finale, but we've gotten it every time, and every time it's been a punch to the gut. It's this. I've watched it with no emotional connection to any of those scenes that they were showing me. And then I had no emotional connection to what, what the culmination was. The only surprising things to me were that, because we were like, okay, we all know Dean's going to die and become a, a demon. We all knew it. Okay, who's going to kill him? That was the one surprise. I yeah, was surprised, it's, it's I was like, surprised that Metatron stabbed him. I thought it was going to be the very last moment of the, of the episode, and it wasn't. And I knew, you know, the, you knew the drill was going to sacrifice himself. It was just how. Yeah, I thought it's he was like going to get past his brace, but, you know, either way it's going to sacrifice so your audience should not be able to sit there with a bingo card and win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, your audience shouldn't win. And we all, we, all, we all shouted bingo at the end of the episode. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just... And I, but I do think that, like, part of that just comes from the fact that, look, it's a show in, in nine seasons. And, like, you know that as fans who, who analyze every episode, like, you know the rhythms it's going to take a lot for them ever to surprise anybody. To me, to me, like, I don't need to be surprised. Like, I read a lot of scripts, and I'm okay knowing exactly what's going to happen as long as when it plays out, it plays out better than when I read it because it's more emotional Mm -hmm. because of the, you know, sound and the music they choose and whatever. And, And also, honestly, like, to me, it's not just about the what. You know, it's about the how. And so... I don't necessarily. I don't necessarily care that I knew it was. That I knew Dean was going to die and open his eyes and, and they would be black. But what I cared about was that that there was nothing else after that. Like they were banking on that one moment being enough, and to me it wasn't because I was like, well, it was emotional when he, you know, said he was proud of them. But and that being his final his final statement and the way Jensen played the life going out of Dean was fantastic. Like absolutely, I, I have no criticism of that whatsoever. But, be, but because of that, I kind of wanted to see the flip side. Like that's what I mean. Like there's you you have that moment. And I thought that was really strong. And then his eyes open and they're dead. And I'm like, I want to see what that means. You know what I mean? Like I and we don't get to for another. Especially month. since technically well, it's not the first duh. time we've seen his eyes go black. <laughs> That's the big end of the season. Of, of course you want to see it. Yeah. If you said, ah, big deal, black eyes, we don't care about seeing it. Well, well, no, that's good. No, no, that's, that's, that's their hook. That's their idea of a big ending. And, and that's right. why, just the fact that probably 90-some percent of fandom knowing their show knew that it was going to be Dean and Dean. I, for me, me personally, I don't want to speak for anybody else, um, yeah. I thought it didn't lessen the impact or the shock or the power of Dean becoming something that he spent his whole life hunting and not wanting to become. In fact, one of his last grabs were to tell Sam, I'm turning into something I don't want want to be. So, yeah, that doesn't lessen it at all for me, even though I knew it was coming and I can't wait to see what happens. But I'm okay with it dying right where it is. I agree with Susan. Yeah, I felt, even though we all knew it was coming, I really liked how they did it. I liked how I, I, I love how 
I wasn't expect. I knew it was going to happen, but I wa- I wasn't expecting how it happened. So I liked how it happened. I thought it was filmed. Um, Jensen's eyes. I mean, we've seen demon eyes before. We've seen Jen. We've seen Dean with demon black eyes before. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, these looked creepier than any I've ever seen. It, they were just more black or shiny I think that or has something. To do, well, and, and I think that has to do with how how well the makeup was for him being dead. Yeah, and pale and strong, lifeless he looked, and it looked amazing. like it looked very much like like shark eyes that that just dead. They did. They really did. Almost. And how do you how do you have a focus when there's no iris or pupil? How are you doing that? That's how it felt, and it was really well done. And I and I like that they that they finally went there because you know we've been waiting since you know third season Dream a Little Dream when you know Dean was talking to himself and you know you're going to die and this is what you're going to become and that didn't happen when Dean went to hell and That's so true. I really. I really, really like that they went back to that and had Dean die and become that. Um, so I, 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 I thought it was a awesome ending. No, and that's what and, I'm saying. It's not that they did it that I have a criticism with. It's just at, yeah, at this either. point, at this point, you know, when you end almost every almost every season with one of them dying, you can, you do have the liberty to switch it up and have one of them die and like. Nine nineteen, or you know, yeah, you, you have that ability now. Do something to, that we're not, not be, expecting. Yeah, to not be the impact for that to not be the impact moment. Yeah, because I just think you know, shake it up. You can. Yeah, you have, this is a this is a supernatural show. You can do whatever you want. That's true. I mean, I do feel like while I do feel like the moment worked really well, I just for me personally, it's just that I spent the entire episode waiting for that moment. And mm-hmm. I felt like a lot of that episode was just to get me to that moment. And I don't know. I just kind of feel like it, the episode as a whole isn't super strong. That moment is super strong. But because well, that moment is the very last thing, like I think a lot of people are just, they, they forget about, maybe they don't like intellectually forget, but they forgive a lot of what's come before because of that one thing that holds the promise for the future. But and I think would no would what, you would you have been waiting for that whole last moment if we hadn't been told so much? Yes. Hey, wait, yes. wait, wait for the last. Yeah, ten I, I, yeah, well, I knew it was going to happen. We knew it was coming. I, we knew it's it. It's not about last ten seconds for me. It's about the way the story's playing out and and knowing that hey, it's a finale and someone always dies. Um, you know, but you also, I also kind of felt like the minute we, we knew last 10 seconds and that kind of actually uh, lessened the blow for me because I was prepared for the fact that I might not like a lot of what was, what it was leading up to the thing that I was waiting for. Um, and I, I knew prepared for the fact that the thing I was waiting for is the very last thing because what they're really doing is holding all their cards for season 10, which just frustrates me to no end, but I talk about this all the time when it comes to pilots and whatever. Um, I, and so, I, I, I mean, I don't, I, don't I, don't get, I don't watch a lot of pilots and I don't read a lot of scripts, but I feel that way a lot of times when, when you have a show like, uh, for instance, which I love is Bates Motel, or I love okay. Grey Slam. But you, at yeah. some point, you're going into your sophomore season and you have to sit there and go, okay, but if you get a third season... 
how are you going to continue this? Like, you really have written yourself into almost a mini-series kind of quarter. Yeah. How far can you go? Yeah, it's how far can you go? And I do think that I do think that part of that is the nature of the beast is that so many so many shows don't expect to get a second or third season, so they're like, you know, whatever, we can wrap it up in one. We, we did good. But um, Supernatural did that in the beginning of their run too. I mean, when they they didn't, you know, when they were a bubble show, I feel like they played their cards because they wanted to prove they were worthy of coming back. They wanted to say, look, mm-hmm. what we've got we've got coming up. And I feel like a lot of things they're doing now, they're like, well, we can take our sweet time because we're not going anywhere. And I don't yeah. like that attitude. <laughs> I just feel like that not, I mean, and I, from a story, from a strictly from a storytelling perspective, I just feel like that doesn't deliver the best pieces of writing. And I'm not saying it's easy. I mean, 22, 23 episodes a season is intense. But, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've seen them do it before where, like, they what, for whatever reason, you know, they everything leading up to things made sense. It was it felt like clearly arced out. You know, they were they were burning through story because they knew they had so much more to tell. And I almost wonder, like, well, how much do you really have in you? And if you don't have a lot in you, then don't stretch it out. Stay to the network. We want to end strong and end sooner rather than later. I agree. And I and I said this to either Becky or Clarissa or probably both. <laughs> that, this, <laughs> that this episode did not feel like a season finale until the very end. Yeah. It, yeah. it didn't have any of, I didn't have, my all of my anxiety about it was, like you said, getting to the black eyes because I just yeah. knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Yeah. And even if Jensen had, a never, had never said, remember I said that, I right. knew, we, still, we still all knew it was coming. Yeah. He basically he what what he did by saying that was he confirmed what we all thought, but he didn't yeah. spoil it really. But I th- and I think that's why he probably felt comfortable enough to say it. You know, like he knows. No, I think things. they all honestly thought that we'd be shocked because yeah. then, you know, know going. I I know there was at least one account from the conventions going on this weekend where I think it was Nisha was like, "You guys saw that coming," and everybody else oh, was really? like, "Yeah." You know, clearly because that's the thing. The season was clearly building up to that, but for some reason the writers and the actors apparently didn't trust us as an audience to see it. Hmm. And there, I feel like there is a breakdown of trust between the audience and the writers that they don't trust us to get it anymore. Hmm. I don't know if it's trust. I just think they just don't, they're just not not close enough or don't, even though it's their show, I don't don't know if they're that involved and, and frankly obsessed or yeah. focused or whatever on the details because you know even Ben Edlin who's absolutely amazing forgot that they've never been to the Grand Canyon you know and put it in one of his episodes but and you know I what I don't also they're so close and they're sometimes so insulated that they just don't think I don't think it's they don't trust us again I just I just don't uh, I think it's that. But I'm not that talking about. Them. I'm not I just don't think. <laughs> yeah, I'm not talking about a minutia moment though. I'm talking about an overall arc moment. This is, this was your building. No, this is your culmination moment. And with, yeah, no, with Edlin, with Edlin loving the 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 Grand Canyon line, Edlin's actually not quite blamed for that. I blame writers, assistants, and script editors for that. 
I don't blame Ellen for that. Somebody else should well, yeah. looking out for Ellen in that in that scenario. Yeah, that was just like like a little sample that, that it's a sample that no matter how good they are, that sometimes they just don't don't think oh, about right, it, and or, there or there's a lot going on. It was that's that's a small moment, but I'm I'm thinking that they just. I don't think it's a mistrust of of the audience. Well, just, and there were a lot of moments this season. There were a lot of moments this season that played fast and loose with canon. And mm. we get metafiction. Oh, we get yeah. metafiction. There was then we get metafiction that basically told us, yeah, yeah, we know. And you can yes. tell me, you know, you're sitting there and telling me through metafiction that you hate it too. But do you really do it? Yeah. I feel yeah. like you don't. I feel like it's like no, we're gonna do what we want to do. And especially when you have a writer come in and say, you know, we change up the mythology at our discretion because we don't want it to get stale, then you're misunderstanding what the word mythology means. <laughs> and, you know, you create new mythology with a new... And I, and I said this before, that sometimes I think that writers... And I said this as a writer you have to at some point let a certain line go or a certain word go because you will spend so much time thinking that one line is cool or one, one line is poignant, one word looks good, sounds good, whatever, yeah. and you, yeah. you marry yourself to it and you start writing entire pages around this one thing until yeah. someone, either something in you or someone outside of you goes, you realize that only you care about that, right? <laughs> And you know we got it with we got it with the Rubaru thing we got it with um, last season with Mesopotamia you you know you get it with these little moments that you know it's just somebody wanted that moment somebody wanted that cool word and you built a structure around something that not only was not important but ultimately threw your audience off. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking forward. Because I, I did have a lot of pro- There was a lot about this season that I liked and a lot about this season that I have problems with. You've heard our podcast, you know, our regular listeners. Mm-hmm. You've heard us complain about the episodes that we had problems with. But there was a lot that I liked. I'm looking forward to this summer rewatching this season mm-hmm. all at once, you know, and seeing if it feels better, if it pulls together better, watching it all together instead of, you know, having yeah. all the great hiatuses and everything. So I'm hoping, yeah, I'm hoping it, it'll feel better. Yeah, because together. I feel like that's how I felt about season seven. In retrospect, when I rewatched season seven in in marathon format, um, while I didn't have the initial issues that people did any anyway, I liked it much better in retrospect. Um, yeah, but here, yeah. here's my here's my issue with that. That's not how you watch TV. Exactly, because you not watch everybody TV buys Fox. Not everybody spread out over you know yeah. 50, however many weeks of the year. And this is my problem with the idea that season nine was, for example, a setup for season ten. Like a lot of people, when the second Hunger Games movie came out, which I really enjoyed, but and I I didn't necessarily feel this way, but people said you know it was it was just it was almost like a two hour setup for for the third movie. Mm-hmm. Which fine. The problem well, is the, that that was two hours of my life. That was yeah. twenty three yeah. hours of my life. You can't have an entire season be designed solely to I set agree. up your arc. And if you want to go back, 
to the beginning of season eight, you can't tell me that you spent 46 episodes just to make Dean wake up with demon eyes. Mm-hmm. I'm well, like, that's my what? thing. You can't do that. Like, the, the I feeling like it's a setup you know, is because of where it ended, right? Like, I think that goes back to what you guys were saying earlier about had it happened in episode 19, it wouldn't have maybe felt that way. Right. I also think that it's one of those things, like, and, and saying that, like, like Becky's saying, you know, she's looking forward to going back and watch, rewatching, and that's a fan thing to do, and I'm interested in doing that for the same reason. But I do think you have to stop, as a, and you have, you have to not write for your fandom, you have to write for your viewers. And I say yeah. that because one, one, the number of ones vastly outweighs the other. Not every viewer with a Nielsen box, for example, is somebody who's going to go out and buy the box set to your show and rewatch it. I watch a good amount of TV. Becky watches a lot of TV. Clarissa and Danielle watch a lot of TV. I probably watch the least amount of TV out of all of you, but whatever. The point is, is <laughs> certainly I'm certainly not going to buy box sets for everything I, I, I watch. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. I watch the least. I think, because if I watched more, Becky wouldn't be like, have you watched this yet? No. (laughs) No, I was watching YouTube instead. Um, You know, it's not everybody. That's what most people watch. Yeah. I'm not going to, you know, I watched Twisted. I enjoyed Twisted. I'm not going to buy the box set. I'm not going to rewatch the season most likely. Um, Base Motel. I watched Base Motel. I love Base Motel. It's not something I see myself going, purchasing and rewatching. Uh, I watched the first season of Hannibal. I enjoyed it. I'm behind the second season. I don't see myself buying the, the first season and rewatching it. So don't yeah. write. You have to write for me as that, as that casual viewer. You don't, you don't write for your fandom because oh, what, well, you do, what you do is you confuse your casual viewer. Yeah, I mean the thing is when you get to, I mean even when you write for as a as a writer, when you're writing to a specific small niche group of people, you're limiting the chance that somebody new would even want to check it out. But exactly. I, definitely, I definitely agree with you. Like I am somebody who will go back and I do own all of the, the seasons of Supernatural and I will go back and marathon them a lot. I didn't feel like I wanted to for season nine. And, I mean, I will because I do feel like there is something to be said for watching things in a row and, um, you know, maybe some of the things that I think right now were lacking, maybe I just missed by some odd chance. I don't know. But I will say right now there are a couple episodes I know I for sure don't ever want to see again. And that's mm-hmm. not what I ever thought I would say. I feel the same way. Ever, I mean, honestly, I don't even think that I've ever said that before about this show, and that's, that's sad. There is, I there know is just five episodes in the season that I could live, I could go the rest of my supernatural life and yeah. never bother with again. Like and, and that's a lot for one season. That's almost a fifth of, that's over a fifth of your season that I'm going, yeah, yeah. And I mean, if the if the fans are saying that, then what do you think the casual viewer is saying? So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's I think that's definitely a problem. I don't know because if, if you're a casual viewer, you just kind of watch and enjoy, and you don't worry too much about tying everything together. I have a couple no. theories that 
I'm a little bit fanish about, but I, I watch them and I don't know everything and I don't pay enough attention to tie them together and I'm perfectly happy watching it. I have a I have another perspective on the season finale from a friend of mine who who's a who's a fanish person and has been for many, many years. She has not been obsessed with the T V show since the X Files, but she will watch a lot of others. I got her into Supernatural about third season and she's watched every season faithfully since she likes it. She enjoys it, and totally did not see Demon Dean coming. Well, well not when I at say that, all. I, so I, I mean, they're they're out there, and and they yeah. kind of don't worry too much well, about and, everything. And she's a fanish person. She's not a casual person at all. She's very aware of fandom. She's got her other series and and uh, whatever. But yeah, she did not see it coming at all. Loved it. I don't know if anybody here watched those um, videos that were made. The fans recorded themselves watching it. Um, it's really, really, really interesting to watch. Um, you know, so you can watch their reactions to the finale. Um, Jolie Harrison on Twitter put them together. And they, most of them, there are some on there saying, I knew it, I knew it, I called it, but most of them, are completely shocked, and well, these are Twitter people. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's why I wasn't that because everybody, everybody, you do also get kind of a, a hive mind when you sit there with a certain group of people, um, whether it's personally on Twitter or whatever. And you know, Clarissa can attest to this that you, you know you sit there with two to four people and you convince yourself that this is what could, what's going to happen. Well, everybody does that in a different way, so you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna, somebody's gonna be right and somebody's gonna be wrong. So you know, well, had Demon, had Dean not gone Demon, Clarissa and I would have sat there going, "Well, we found that, didn't we?" Hmm. And it would have but also, I, I also changed everything we had predicted. Yeah, it, it would have changed everything we would have had predicted. What we think is going to happen going into season ten, it right. changes everything. So you know. You, if, even if you're not, even if you're a Spanish person, you you get your own head tandem about something, and yeah. you you sit with people, and it becomes a hive mind, and it becomes. If what I think is going to happen in season ten doesn't happen, I'm going to sit there and go, what? But uh, but no, clearly I was uh, going to get my way. <laughs> I hope what you think is going to happen happens so badly. Oh, I, I want it to happen so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Everybody I tell it she wants it to happen. I'm gonna if it doesn't happen, I ruined about fourteen lives. Well, if it doesn't happen, you have to write the biggest fanfic ever so we can at least experience it in that way. So Yeah, no pressure. Well, I, I have no idea because you haven't told me what you thought. I don't I know, know. But whatever. <laughs> I mean we'll say it we'll say it I'll say it now because you know, you should. You should say it publicly so that if you're right, we can all congratulate you, and if you're wrong, we can all throw things at you because maybe yours is better. And I'm not, yeah, I'm not the only one that thinks this is a good degree, but I do think that going back, and I think I mentioned this, I have mentioned this on the podcast, that a friend of mine, Linda, and I, I had this huge epiphany about Taxi Driver. I ruined Clarissa's life about it. Um, it was, yes. My life was forever changed that. when she said Taxi Driver makes sense. <laughs> and she made a dying moose sound that I can never replicate. But when I went back and I watched all the Buckner Lemming episodes in a bubble, not all of them, I skipped like two, going back as far as season seven, the end of season seven, 
and their story holds up on its own without anything else. And it's really bizarre that there's a structure within the structure within a structure. So if what I think is going to happen is that the trial, or what we think, is that taxi driver, me saying taxi driver is important was because once I realized that Dean was going to go demon, which we're talking, what, like six, seven, eight episodes ago, once I realized that, I thought, well, oh, shit, Dean Sam's going to have to go to hell mm. and get him and save him. And Taxi Driver created the ability for Sam to do that. Yes, it messed up canon. Yes, it was a haphazard episode. It was rushed. It should have been two episodes. But that's irrelevant at this point. What it did is it set that up, which yeah. now, you know, which further sets up if, if season eight, Season 8 gave us the demon cure, and it makes no sense unless the sound cures Dean. And mm-hmm. it's going to re- And if it does what Carver is saying, which he, what he's doing is the, the breakdown to rebuild, it's the blood of my blood kind of thing, because we know that it's Sam's blood, that purified blood that he'll have to inject with Dean. So it's the blood of my blood. It's a, it's a reinforcement of their brotherhood. Mm-hmm. That's what I think is going to happen. If it I will say this. I really hope it happens because, A, that would make Taxi Driver seem like less of a mess. B, oh, yeah. that ties it all back to get to the important things that, we're, that you know, we care about in the show and, and kind of even goes back to the end of Season 5, how it really should have been the two brothers, but then they brought in Adam, but whatever, we don't need to talk about Adam again. Um, Adam! Shut up! <laughs> but there's this, like, little gnawing part of me that thinks you're giving them too much credit because I've seen how they've been so much lately. And we've, like, I we've been arguing like, about that this whole time because what that, what that does is it presupposes it that 8 is connected to 10 and that everything was an inevitable step. I but mean, it's then I'm like how pacing issues and, and point of view issues and, oh, you know, like I struggle yeah, with this. Is not, yeah. This is not something that I came to as a conclusion and, or a potential conclusion lightly or even happily because no, it, will, yeah. it will take, what it does is it, it, it says to me that the two writers that are arguably the most controversial within fandom for a lot of reasons are actually responsible for the overreaching arc of what we're watching. And for I, three seasons. I, yeah. Where I don't have the same criticism of these two writers as a lot of people do, I know the criticism is out there. Yeah. I know that before an episode even airs, when people see that it's penned yeah. by them, they often, you know, the groan starts. Um, which is why, you know... And going back and watching the, their episodes in a bubble, I realized that a lot of that has been a re, your, repre, your, your reputation perceives you kind of thing, that it's become the norm in fandom to go, uh, with them. Because the writing is actually more solid than I thought it was, but it's also mm-hmm. more solid in the format that I chose versus right. the format that's been presented in. And again, that comes back to an execution and a pacing issue. And and that's the thing, like, there's there's just this part of me that's like, well, you know, sometimes I know myself as a viewer and especially as a writer, like, I will read things into things that I'm watching because what I'm watching isn't giving enough layers. So I will just say, well, what if this means this? And, 
Like, I really want to believe it, but I don't know that that's what they are doing. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't, there's not, I don't have the trust level that, that says, like, yes, I see how it could be seated. Like, I want to believe it because I think that would be the, I mean, I feel like that's the only logical step now is that. Because right. I feel like if it doesn't play Dean, out And he way, has to realize he knows the way. Yeah, I feel like if it doesn't play out that way, then you have to revisit and tell, and then explain to me. Yeah. what the actual point of season eight was, because we all knew the gates of hell were not going to get closed. As viewers, we knew that, and we also yeah. knew that even if they succeeded with that, it doesn't solve anything, because there's still ghosts and vampires and, and ghouls and all this, uh, you know, there's still shapeshifters. It just gets rid yeah. of demons, and it only gets rid of demons that are not currently on Earth. So hey, that's you have thing. Yeah, no, it's it totally, it totally is. But it makes no sense that Sam and Dean were sitting there going, and then we can all go, we can both go have a normal oh, life because we close the gates. Oh, how, how do you figure? How no, do you I figure? Know, of course not. When for them, growing up and all the way into their early 20s, until until John came and some and Cena went and told them it's a demon, they were like, a demon? Yeah. There's demons? Yeah. So yeah. logically, yeah, logically, and again, it comes back to my issue of making your your main characters seem incompetent. Mm-hmm. You you have I love Jody. I do. I really love the character of Jody, and I love Kim Rose. I love Kim Rose desperately. Um, I want to be her when I grow up. I think she's only like ten years older than me, but I want to be her when I grow up. <laughs> that said, when you have a character who is so new to this world, schooling two men who grew up in this life. Yeah. And, and same thing with Charlie. You know, you have her waltz in and, as I said, be a Mary Sue and be the smartest one in the room, be the most competent hunter in the room, be a crack shot and save the day, it makes you go, okay, that's great. So if she hadn't showed up, what would have happened to Sam and Dean? Yeah. You know, as we said, these are the two men that that demons scare their kids with. They're mm-hmm. who gets whispered about. They're the scariest men in the room. It's the reason I and hated Bella so much because they me get to too. make her look that like my big wonderful... Bounty Hunter, fabulous as they made Sam and Dean look stupid mm. and out of character just to make her look better. And I'm like, that is and I, just I get as, writing. I get as writers, it's fun to write somebody new. And especially, I think, in my opinion, I don't know if this is true, but I think that for the current batch of writers, they weren't there. I mean, we have Jeremy who was there in season three, but they weren't there for a lot of what what they're. I don't mean this the way I'm going to come out. A lot of what they're destroying right now. So you take into account that. No, 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 and that's what I'm about to say. I think for them, they're more invested in the characters that they've created, and so taking a character like Tessa, there was no need to kill Tessa. Yeah. Why are you doing that? And there was, while there was an outside need to kill off Meg, there was a, a personal need because, you know, Rachel could no longer work. And out of respect for her, they didn't give the role to somebody else. And I, for one, 
because of my love for Rachel and Meg, I'm perfectly fine with that. But when you did that with one, you kind of have to be careful how you how you succeed that, in my opinion. And I feel like for them, it's very easy for them to kill off characters that they didn't, they were not there for the inception of, because there's no attachment versus the characters that they've created themselves that they want to they want to foster. So it's much easier to kill off Tessa than to kill off Garth, for example. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And but as a viewer and a fandom viewer, you're you're telling me that that character. What was the point of her then? We've known her since season two, and she was a fantastic character. She was also a great asset because she was a character that was able to pop up and create either tension or create closure for certain things without you having to deal with too much of the hows and whys because you could fudge her mythology a bit because she was not a consistent character. You just lost mm-hmm. that ability, though. Mm. And And I... I go back and forth with that. And I know as a fan base, especially a female-dominated fan base, we get very excited to see really badass female characters, and we get really angry when they get killed off because, oh, you killed a woman. And I get that to a degree, but you also have to acknowledge that you are watching a show about two dudes. It's the show you signed up for. So, yeah, but I also, like, I, I, I don't personally get mad if they, kill, if they kill a female character because she's a female. I get mad if they kill a character female or male, for, for no reason other than the sentimental... Oh, I do too. Uh, but I do, think, I do think that sometimes fandom itself reduces that character to you killed a female oh, yeah. character, not you yeah. killed a great character. Or with Kevin, everyone was like, oh my God, you killed, you killed a minority character. And I'm like, no, they oh. killed this little kid that they were taking care of. His, his yeah, race she, is irrelevant. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't actually see a lot of that commentary. I guess because, I mean, the, I felt the outrage personally because like he was an important character and emotionally he mattered, and I saw a lot of that in response. But yeah, that's that is strange. I, I, I mean, it, to me, what you know, if if it makes sense for your story and it's not just for emotionally manipulative reasons, I'm okay with it. As but I feel like, like in Supernatural, it's 99.9% of the time an emotionally manipulative reason. Yeah, lately. Yeah. Because even Tessa was emotional manipulation, not only for us, but it was a manipulation for Dean. Yeah. So Dean had no intention of really killing Tessa. He was, he had a connection to her. Yeah. No, I agree, and that, that's what I mean. Like, well, I guess when I like, that's probably why I wasn't thinking of it in terms of like, oh, they killed her, and she's a strong female character, because I was more outraged by the well, they killed her, but they didn't need to kill her. They just did it because that's one way to get people talking and get people upset is to you know bring back a familiar face just to kill them. And, you know, and it was the same thing, you know, when, when we thought Jody, when we didn't know if Jody was dead or not in season eight, we, we, we weren't sure. Yeah. So again, yeah. there was a lot of, but you killed, a, you killed a, a strong female character. And I'm like, not every female character is actually a strong female character just because she That's shows true. up and staffs <laughs> Sam and Dean. And Lord knows that I have 
unfathomable issues with Missouri, and I've been carrying that anger around for seven seasons oh, now. But yeah, me too. You know, don't tell. Again, it's that whole thing is don't tell me that just because a character is sassy and female that it's a good character or a strong character. Don't yeah. tell me that because I, I, I will metaphorically kick you in the balls. And see, I was more upset not when we thought Jody was dead, but when we realized she was not, and we didn't deal with that moment of like that as well. You know, and them making that, sure she was okay. That, and I think, especially with Jody, we, you know, we know, we now know that because we had, I don't, I don't, uh, we told you we had Kim on when we had Kim on the podcast. She revealed that in. Um, was it 908 that she was in, the church reversion episode? The chat, um, yeah. She revealed yeah. that the, her saying, you know, I got it, thanks, that was ADR, that she was joking, and they kept it in because it was the voice of letting her walk out with her sprained shoulder. And then at the end of 919, Jensen and Jared, it, they had to create that moment of, are you sure you're okay? Do you need us to stay? Because it wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah, and so okay. you have this character that your 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 main characters and your audience and clearly the writers have formed an attachment to, but you're not giving her the respect she deserves either. Yeah, that's you know, interesting. You know, it, I mean, it's 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 interesting on a on a behind the scenes level because if it's not there, and the, but the directors are the ones that are ultimately saying let's we need to put that in, that tells you, that tells me a lot because the directors aren't there every week. They use different people. They, some of them are serious. They're on the series, so they do more than one episode, but, like, they're the ones that are ultimately acknowledging the fact that this is missing from the creation from the people who are there every day, and that bothers me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's moments that, that your, your viewers connect to, you know, Sam and Dean asking, "Are you, are you, are you sure it's okay? Do you need to stay?" Sam saying, yeah. "I lied." When you have yeah. those moments that well, your your thing. viewers, yeah, well, what would happen without it? Like I said earlier, it is, and it's good that you have a cast that is looking out for that because yeah. they ultimately have been there the longest at this point. It, it's good that they, it's good that they still care enough. I mean, it's good that they that they are respected enough that when they say, "Hey, this line needs in," it actually makes it in. Right. Well, and I think um, you know a lot of a lot of times a show will give their actor the producer credit as a wage bump and a vanity title, and really neither the actor does anything with it, nor do the writers or network bother with the yeah. actor's opinion on it. And I yeah. find it interesting that we're we're watching a show where it's the reverse. They don't have the yeah. vanity title and yet they are that engaged with the story. And I, I yeah. as a viewer and as like I said, as a fan of viewer, I really appreciate and respect that they that Jerry and Jensen respect me and I don't just mean as an individual obviously enough to say, whoa, 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 we care about what we're doing, let's mm-hmm. reevaluate it. I agree. Yeah. Especially this late in the, in the game where, like, a lot of actors could be phoning it in. We see a lot of shows on other networks that I will not name where they don't have nine seasons, but they're getting close, and they're already phoning it in. 
And, like, they clearly care more and more as time goes on. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, exactly. Jared and Jensen know Sam and Dean better than anybody. And the fact that, you know, they're still there, you know, like, whoa, Sam and Dean wouldn't do this or, you know, they wouldn't say this. They would do this or that. And they they keep up with that. I think that's huge. And I just make sure just love them even more for it. Yeah. Yep. I love that about them, too. So I have a question I about the finale. I do. Uh, Crowley says that Dean's body is <laughs> reacting do. to the blade. Uh, he's <laughs> not strong enough to hold the first blade power, but suddenly at the end, it is enough? Is it because he's become a demon? The blade made him into a demon to be able to handle this power so his body would not fall apart? I, I, was, I was questioning that as well. Yeah, because Crowley's story, he basically said that Cain um, himself was a human at the beginning, and, you know, he tried to kill himself. And from what I took from it, when he tried to kill himself with the blade, the blade turned him into the demon. Dean wasn't wasn't, wasn't killed with the blade, yet he still became a demon. Mm. Which implies that the power is holding... Yeah, the power... It it implies that the power is holding the blade and being being a part of the mark. Okay. But now his body is strong enough to hold this power because it wasn't before, and he because there's no more humanity in it. Yeah, it, it reminds me of Cordelia. It reminded me of when Cordelia on Angel had the power, you know, the power of the vision, and it was killing her, and it was because she was a human and couldn't take it, so she demonized herself so she could hold, so she would be stronger to hold the de- to be able to have the vision. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. Because and through genre TV, we're taught that humanity is an asset, but it's also a weakness. And I wonder, if Crowley never put the um, angel blade in Dean's hand, would he have, have never be woken up as a demon? I don't think yeah, that's that's I, I, I felt like it was connected. Mm-hmm. But I, mean, I, would have, I, I don't really understand the point. Like, I, I'm not a big religion person, and I had a really confusing situation the other day where I was trying to figure out the actual story of Cain versus what the show told us of Cain and, like, how it related to Dean, and I think, like, I, I think the blade, I feel like the blade is obviously connected, and, I yeah, I don't think that if he hadn't played in Dean's hands, we have ended where we ended, but I also don't necessarily see the same connection that Crowley saw because Dean, uh, Dean didn't try to kill himself the way that Cain did in that story that Crowley said. And to me, what was most important about what Crowley was talking about was that act, was the fact that, like, Cain wanted to take himself out of the equation because he couldn't, he didn't want to live the way he lived. And it's in a lot of religions, that is the ultimate sin, is killing yourself. So for me, it was like a punishment for what he tried to do, but Dean wasn't, Dean should have been punished because he didn't try to do the same thing. I don't know. I think I got too wrapped up in, like, the religion and, like, what Cain is versus what the show made him to be. I I don't know. I just got very confused by all that. I sort of took it as, like, 
the mark and the blade were a bit more of a virus. And so it was the act of dying and not necessarily the suicide that the, 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 the mark and the blade, essentially, they want a viable host. And Dean well, yeah. wasn't that viable host to carry out the act. It's almost like they possess you, right? Like they, right. they want to kill. That's, that's, you know, the goal that it wants to accomplish. And whether that came about because of the first action that Kane did that right. caused that, you know, it like unleashed some sort of a power that then became part of this mark and part of this blade. And I just sort of figured it wasn't the suicide. It was, it was that it, it needs a host. And to well, become that perfect host, Dean had to, Dean died and it brought it back. It wasn't I mean, going to let sense. the bearer go. Yeah, I mean, that, that to me makes sense, but I feel like because we didn't really start to see, like, we saw, we saw Dean changing all season, but it really, really wasn't until the end when we saw him deteriorating. That was so, that was so like, weird, because I was like, I don't get right. why you're even, like, uh, they didn't well, explain I mean, it enough, and it goes back to Kane, but they didn't explain Kane enough. Well, that's exactly, that's what I was going to say. Like, if that's, if that's how you're, like, when you said the word virus, I was like, well, that makes sense, but then they should have introduced him getting physically sick earlier, the way they did with Sam, when yeah. Sam, you know, like, like, if you really want to parallel these stories, do it. Like, don't be afraid that you, that's not where you're going to hit people over the head. Um, and so that's why, like, what, because that we hadn't seen that all season, or not all season, but because we hadn't seen that until the very end, I just for some reason latched onto that part of Crowley's speech. About, and I was like, well, and then I started Googling, like, the actual story, and that just threw me off because the actual story is not really the story that Supernatural used, which just bothered me on another level. <laughs> and so, like, you, what you just said makes absolute sense. And, yeah, I mean, I did see it as a possession, but um, I don't know. I just, I, I, like, I feel like there's something so interesting in that story, and I just wish we had done more of it. And, I mean, I'm sure there's still more to do next season because now they have to, you know, deal with the Demon Dean and, and the repercussions, and they probably I mean, have it, to. It has to come out. A little bit to understand it. But, the problem, again, goes back to pacing and what it is that you choose to say to your audience. Instead of Metatron telling me about the fact that you, you know, that subtext is important and we don't like continuity errors, I would rather that you explain to me exactly what is happening to your main character because yeah. I am genuinely concerned. I don't really care that the writers want to pontificate to me about right. how much they don't oh. like. And don't even get me started on meditation. Right. Don't get that. <laughs> yeah, I, no. I, I have such rage about that episode. I can never convey it without like becoming a demon myself. But oh, um, everybody feels so that much. way. But I, mean, I like, don't think I don't think I need to know more. And I hate and the number one complaint out of everybody's roundtable submissions, which I got today, was pacing, and that yeah. goes back to your inability to give your characters the words until the very end, or maybe you're holding it for season 10, everything. All of that is related. And I feel like they're going to hold that information about Kane and what the mark means and all of that until they can get Kane back. And I feel like it has to happen. Because and it goes oh, back yeah. to you and, I, you and I spent days arguing about whether Kane was a demon or not right after his introduction. And we yeah. were on opposite sides of it, but neither one of us could 
justify our side properly, and in the end, we're like, oh, screw it all. <laughs> and that's those, I mean, that, it, was that's days, it was literally days of us going, yes, no, yes, no. And I was on the no side, she was on the yes side. I obviously was wrong, but I couldn't prove that I was right. Well, she yeah, couldn't but prove me wrong. I don't yeah, necessarily I mean, think you're totally wrong. I just think that they they haven't explained to us what kind of a demon he is. Like we know right, kind of and a I demon kept saying Lilith was and, other. Yeah, I kept saying he's right, other. and and that other. comes in now. That'll come in in season ten because now Sam is going to have to say, "Shit, what is what happened to my brother, and how do I fix this? And is this something I've seen before, or is this something new?" And like that'll that'll definitely come back. But like well, it goes God, back really. to things. You know what we were talking about. Of don't like, why don't say it'll definitely already. come back. Don't say it'll definitely come back. You can't say that. But the problem is also <laughs> well, that I end up saying right. Sam. So like logically, if they want to tell the story properly, they need to put that part in. And yeah, yes, they, they do. Ready, but they haven't. So right, you're right. I mean, I don't. You're right. I shouldn't give anybody too much credit. And it's not um, even just credit. It's that it's that things happen. Like. It would yeah. it would hinge uh, it would hinge on bringing Kane back, but we also know that TV doesn't you know TV writing consists more of being able to pen an episode. Will Armisen be available right. when they want him or need him? Who knows? But you actually don't necessarily need him. No, you don't. But it would be like you should have him. Yeah, but it's, I mean, I don't think they should just like forgo it if they can't get him. You can do it in a different way. Like I know, but comfortable way, but you know, like how are you going to do it successfully unless Crowley, you know, is there or Castiel is there explaining it? But then, do they really know the truth of it? Because Crowley admitted, "I didn't know the truth of it. I had only heard rumors." And Castiel's sure. like, "Dude, the mark's bad." And then you shut up about it, and you're like, "Oh, angels." I'm like, seriously, <laughs> somebody say something about this goddamn mark. Well, that's the thing. I don't. I didn't say it was going to be done well without him. I just said it could be done. But I mean, also, look. I don't think that. I think they can get him back. I don't. I'm, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm just. I'm just spitballing. It's okay. It'll, it'll Gallivan be is a mid-season show. It'll be okay. We can work that's with it. Point. And I think they might be filming in Vancouver. So that's a good point. Oh, that'll be fun, actually, for us. I think. I'm not sure, but I feel like they might be because there's no way they're going to shoot overseas. I feel like it's way too expensive. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Season 11. Just a little bit of podcast business here for just one second. Um, we've got just about five minutes left of our on-the-air edition of the finale podcast. Uh, if uh, if there's still things to discuss, we will keep right on talking. It's just we won't be on the air, but it will be recorded so it can be listened to and downloaded later on. Um, while we're still on the air, let me just say thank you to our guests, Clarissa from ScreenFad.com and Danielle from PossibleByPopCulture.com. Uh, please visit their sites, follow them on Twitter. Um, I also uh, wanted to mention real quick before we go off the live version, uh, we have some a really awesome exclusive T-shirt for sale right now. Um, uh, if you go to our website, winchesterbros.com, you'll see a link on the front. It's a gorgeous um, Supernatural Hunters T-shirt um, created by Freakster. She's an amazing artist. She also created our logo for our website. Um, 
we have met the uh, goal of 50, so we, this shirt will be sold. So if you're interested, go check it out on our website. Um, it's for sale for three more weeks, so you, you've got some time. Mm, it is really cool. Oh, and also, also thank I you. I wanted to say about Twixer real quick. Not only is she awesome, but she's also one of the winners from the Supernatural Design Contest. Yes. yes. Oh, congrats. And, um, and also, um, another real, real quick thing, um, Genevieve Padalecki today tweeted a link for um, the uh, fundraiser in um, honor of her sister Sarah for the Brain Injury Association of California. Uh, we've tweeted her link. Jen, it's on Jen's Twitter as well, which is at RealGPad. Um, if you want to go and help out and get a donation there. And we're also going to be... Um, doing some auctions to help fundraise for that fundraise um, for that awesome cause. So keep an eye out for those. Mm-hmm. And of course, always thank our listeners for sticking with us through this uh, season. We've enjoyed uh, coming, coming to you every week with these podcasts and discussing things and all our callers and commenters uh, through the season. Uh, for our podcast, you can find Winchester Radio at blogtalkradio.com slash media boulevard. You can go to our website, winchesterrose.com. There is an entire page with a link to every podcast we've done since season three. There are many wonderful interviews. Um, our latest with uh, Guy B, of course, uh, the Jensen Ackles uh, interview, which was fantastic, of course, and also... Um, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Winchester Bros and subscribe and download us through iTunes. So that's it. And back to the finale or other things. Has anyone, I missed it quite a bit because I had to leave the podcast at the beginning. Has anyone talked about the awesomeness of Tom O'Penniket yet? No, we Not haven't yet. because no. I'm so upset. I'm so angry that I can't talk about it. Why can't you talk about it? Okay, this is what I said, and I said, (laughs) um, I said this in my roundtable submission for Clarissa, and so, assuming she puts it in, I don't know, she edits us all, (laughs) but, uh, I should say she edits us, she doesn't edit us, she picks what she's going to put in, so, but, I think that, of, there were three really good character evolution story in this season, and I think that Gadriel's was the best one. Um, uh, agreed, second, agreed. Was, second, second was Crowley's, and third was Cass's. Uh, fourth was Dean, and then some other dude was there sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> he, was knocked, he was knocked out a lot. He didn't say much. I don't know. Great hair. Do you, do you mean the tall one or or the short one? I don't I don't know which one there. Uh, the one with the hair. The one with the hair. Oh, the hair. Yes. Okay. I like that dude, oh, but he was awfully quiet this season, <laughs> except when he was being the character I'm speaking about. But and I think yeah. Tom, I think Tomo really, really, really gave Gadriel. Gadriel almost felt the way the way Cass used to feel, which was the Cass that I fell in love with and that I, I often pine for, was that very earnest, logical, face value, explain to me your ways kind of mentality. And then when it, when it is laid out for him, he processed it and went, okay, 
And I think, you know, like when he said that being inside of Sam Winchester gave him this idea about basically about how emotions work. And which I have mixed feelings about in terms of, in terms of if you can tell me that about Vidriel, how come Cass inside of Jimmy didn't get that until he became a human this season? But then that gets me into a whole other thing about well, why, why is Cass Cass if he has Theo's grace? Shouldn't he be Theo in a Cass vessel? Yes, thank but you. Whatever, I can't even get into it because... Can, before we do that, can we talk about a very important question, which uh-huh. is... Did Gadriel learn the bitch face by being inside Sam, or is that his <laughs> own thing? Because this is like, I'm like Jared Padalecki, you finally have actual competition for your bitch face. And I don't know if they had to kill off Camo because he was so good at it. And Jared's like, guys, we talked about this in contract negotiations. No one else can have hair like mine and do bitch face like mine. I'm like, if this is your bargaining chip in your contract, I, you know, I applaud you. Well, it's also being almost very tall as well. So Jared was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's true. That guy's got to go. And a big face competition. Yeah. That, that, he was a, he was like almost a triple threat if he had one more threat. I don't know what, I can't count, but. (laughs) Well, he can use it, baby. Hair grows. That's true. He could have. And then Jared would have been like, oh, I'm go- I got to go. We got him over here. But, and, and, Aubrey, and, you know, we do know, you know, speaking of trauma, we do know that because of the way the shooting order was that Jared created Gudriel and Tomo yeah. had to mimic Gudriel. And yeah. he, did it, he did it in a way where he, he did it and then he made Gudriel his own. Yeah. And in a, show, in a show where you are a very limited appearance guest actor, I think he gave a great weight to Gadriel, and it's by, in the end, Gadriel was the character I was the most invested in in the finale, which, uh, yes. that, you know, clearly that meant he had to die because I liked him. Yes. Yes. And I, lo- I ended up, uh, you know, we, at the beginning, we wanted um, Ezekiel slash Gadriel to be a good guy. Then we found out he was a good guy, so we were upset with him. Then we ended up, you know, becoming, you know, more sympathetic to him, and in, and in the end, ended up really liking him, which is a, a great character involvement, you know, through the through the show. And then mm-hmm. also, I got to give, uh, you know, a hat tip to Tomo because I've seen him in other things, you know, Battlestar Galactica, you know, Dollhouse, you know, like everybody has. And this character was nothing like any of his other characters. And it was hard, while watching him as Gadriel, it was hard for me to believe this was the same guy that was Hilo on Battlestar Galactica. You know, it was just so completely different. And uh, he's Mm -hmm. just, I was very, very impressed with him this season. And Oh, I can't wait to meet him in August in Vancouver. I'm probably looking forward to meeting him more than anybody else. <laughs> no, Except Joe McKinney. McKinney. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Joe with the damn pro. Oh, my God, we're going to shun you so hard at VanCon. I can't even talk about how hard we're going to shun you. You guys don't even know. You guys don't even know. As the only person on this podcast who has experienced Joe McKinney in the flesh, 
You don't even know the way way it alters your life being in his presence. I am changed. (laughs) I am forever changed. I Somebody needs to to keep an eye on her and make sure she doesn't end up in jail. I am looking forward to have my life being touched by Gil McKinney. I'm looking forward to being I am so glad that you will be there with me because Britt and V have already met him. You and I have not. So you and I are the two Gil McKinney virgins there. So we'll be able to um, experience you don't understand. I get, I, get to, I get to watch you two experience Gil McKinney. And then a month later, I'm going to Dallas Con, and I get to watch Katie experience Gil McKinney. <laughs> and it's going to be like experiencing Gil McKinney for the first time every time. <laughs> Y'all just don't know. Y'all just don't know. Gil oh, no. McKin- <laughs> the McKinney Con World Tour is just uh, so good. And I will say, you know, to tie this in, Gil McKinney, he also, and I, I I give this to him as an as an actor, and since he was in this season as well, he's someone who, again, with very limited material, was able to come onto the show and give us what we needed in terms of Grandpa Winchester. And I, I think that also what he did, especially to come back for this episode, he seems to really understand, without having really watched the show, seems to really understand how to respect what this character means in terms of the mythology of the show. He very much speaks I, in... He's he, one of those actors that has, has created a small backstory and a continuing thread of story for his character, even though he doesn't even know if he's coming back ever again. And I think that gives a lot of... That's a lot of what makes his character work in Mother's Little Helper. It's those little nuances that yeah. he has picked up on in terms of, and, and I, he kind of alluded to the fact that this is something that Jared and Jensen told him, like, you know, cho- you know, understand that this is an important, this is an important character within our, our narrative structure, even when you're not with us. And, and I, I just think, like, things like that, A, they make the show stronger, because, you know, we've complained a lot about the writing this season, but uh, across the board, I think the acting is always, a bright spot. I mean, they get really great people for, for the show, and they get people who create characters that you, the fans, like us, we want to see brought back, but that the writers want to bring back. And I think that's a big thing. You know, I mean, yeah, that character, Gil's character is obviously very important to the mythology, but they don't have to bring him back if they don't think he did a good job or they don't like working with him. But clearly it's those little things that that he's doing as an actor that, that everyone on this show seems to do as an actor that says, hey, you know, we are really, we're true actors. You know, we're not just coming here and, deliver, and reading lines and, you know, swinging a, swinging a sword at like a tennis ball on a green screen. Like we're treating these characters with a lot of respect and, and we're keeping it grounded and we're doing our homework. And like that has to be, has to be something that, you know, people notice and talk about because it's, often, I just feel like it often, like, gets buried under the complaints, whether the complaints mm-hmm. are warranted or not, and, like, that's, a, it's a little sad sometimes. I feel like it's a CW show, and they don't get a lot of respect because it's a CW show, but they really do good work. 
Mm-hmm. The, I mean, I the, the acting and the casting and the actors, I think for this show, in the way that they've been able to do it from day one and to create such memorable characters, even for a character that's in a single episode, like if you think about, you know, the trickster's first episode yeah. or, um, you know, even, even a character like Sarah who was, back all the way so early in the series and yet a character that, you know, was an enjoyable female character but still very limited in terms of what she got to do and, and people yeah. were happy that she came back. You know, like yeah, that always give credit where credit is due. Whoever is doing the casting on this show is nailing it. You know, like they're finding a piece person, an actor, who's going to leave a mark on what could yeah. be a limited role. Yeah. And, and you know, I will say, you know, them. speaking of, you know, I expressed issues with uh, Bad Boys. I did. However, the one thing I will never fall is when the promo pics got released for that episode, everyone went, that kid's not Bean. And when that episode aired, he was being... He was more Dean than Jensen's ever been. It was, I don't mean that literally. Um, I know that. <laughs> I just think it's a funny thing to say. <laughs> I know. Um, but he just, he nailed every tick, every eyebrow quirk, every yeah. every eye motion. I mean, he, you know, they said he studied, but you can say that about some actors and you're like, yeah, you really didn't, though. Right, and exactly. Like what? What exactly did you study? No. Right. And again, it goes back to the the casting for this show. We've had very, very few, very few misses that mm-hmm. hit far, far outweigh. Which not only for a genre show, but on a genre show on an on a, a non big three network. Um, and that I mean, I you know. That I think they've had better casting than some of the genre shows on the bigger networks, to be honest. I, agree. I mean, I agree. I don't, I agree. I don't know where that comes from. I know that, I know that Jim, Michaels, Jim Michaels has a big hand in that, in the casting, as well as, you know, whoever's directing the episode and such, but he clearly has an eye for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, have to say, I have to say real quick, um, going back to Gil McKinney for a moment. I just Always, have to... go for it. <laughs> My husband's idea for <laughs> me too. <laughs> I don't know how um, doable this is or if it's even possible, but my husband had the best idea for a supernatural spinoff. Have, you know, we've already seen the time travel, have John Winchester um, and somehow and um, Henry Winchester have time traveled together and, you know, at Matt Cohen and Gil McKenney. And a spinoff with those two hunting together. How awesome! Oh my god, yeah, my mind is. Blown. I don't think that's gonna work, but okay. That's I know. I'm like, <laughs> can I, I love that? I don't care if it, who cares if it works or not? <laughs> yeah, I don't care if it makes sense. I want it. I'm Danielle, <laughs> you are gonna write that script, and I need to get my video camera, and we are gonna have them film the crap out of that, oh, whatever that may be. Because you still. Like, Excuse me, you still haven't done Vancouver Diaries for the past two years. So, like, I think that's going to happen. Because Vancouver Diaries doesn't have Matt Cohen and Gil McKinney. I'm sorry, but you guys, you can I'm going to take Matt whoever Cohen and you want into it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take so, those two. So, so, uh, so my, my, my husband, husband will be Gil McKinney. 
<laughs> I'm very happy that I'm going to get to see Gil in Chicago Con in October. <laughs> I'm so upset that I won't get to experience you experiencing Gil McKinney. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll, but I'll, I'll try and tweet as I go I or something. Like I, I don't know. I'll try Gil McKinney liaison. Out. I need to yeah, liaise so, everyone to Gil McKinney. I'm really looking forward I, to him because, you know, I – I, I, I'm hoping he'll be in the cabaret or karaoke, and I, I, especially the cabaret because we keep our own seats, and I'm in the front row, so he should be right there in front of me. But yeah, um, but also, I mean, we we're talking about his uh, his acting and his attention to detail and how much he did with the character of Henry Winchester. This is going to sound so crazy, but I am not surprised because seeing his progressive car insurance commercial. He totally shows that poor man in the rain. That commercial is brilliant. That whoever Danielle, have you seen that commercial? I have, but I also love that that was the like reference point because I mean. First of all, I have to ask you this: Was he so good that you actually switched to progressive? Because that is. I know. I, I already but have progressive, I did, but it made me proud to be a progressive uh, policy you know, owner. I, okay. It didn't make me switch to progressive, but I already have progressive, so I went, hey, I got progressive insurance. Yeah, Indeed. I was like, that's right, so, yes, I'm very proud to of you me. there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. So, and all, yeah, and, I mean, and in all seriousness, going back to that, um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay. And I said this. I'm referencing a lot of things that I'm, I sent first in the roundtable because it's what I think about. But, and I think this kind of ties in with the fact that it's not, you know, we have good actors and it's not their fault. But we have, and it goes back to the Angel storyline, that I don't know what else they can do with Angel storyline. And I get why they continue it. I understand it. I just don't understand. It's, when you, with the angels, you're far more married to something structurally than you are with the demons. The demons you can play a lot more with than you can with the angels. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you know, we have angels. I mean, right now, Sebastian Roche is at a con. He hasn't been on the show in four years. Um, and he's at every con. You, mm-hmm. have these, you have these characters and these actors that are memorable within that time frame and memorable after the fact. You know, we have Richard, who is, we also, everyone still cares about Gabriel, and he emcees every creation con in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, That's great. And then we have Bartholomew and Malachi, who were forgettable within their own season. Yeah. And... Bartholomew, who was only interesting in the two minutes before he died. Yeah. And that Malachi was honestly that, that, one of my that nobody, Yeah, that nobody remembered Malachi. And, again, it's one of those things where if, if you cannot, if you cannot viably have a storyline, you know, like, like it was said, you have to gracefully let it go. Mm-hmm. Because the, the angel storyline, you know, the angel storyline was a huge part of this season, and yet it was extremely boring. And, no, the, and I, I, 
that's the, not a single that's person liked the Angel storyline so far. In terms of like, right. got too much attention. It was uninteresting enough. A lot of people who answered about the roundtable, um, people were very divided on the subject of Metatron, which I found interesting. Um, hmm. And everybody really seemed to like Adriel. But like in terms of the Angel storyline, it seems like we're just done. And I'm worried about the fact that, like, where are you going to take this next year? Is Are we going to have to do this again? Like, technically, the gates are still – I don't really yeah. understand if the gates are closed or if you – because you – like, I don't get it because they destroyed the tablet, so maybe it's – I don't know. But I'm just but like, oh, another season of this. And the angels are just so – I'm sorry, but they're so stupid – why are you that's what I think is like the biggest angels. They and they are not only stupid; they're they're boring. They're stupid, and they are structured in a in a way where they are designed to be followers. So if you don't give them a proper leader, or you keep reneging on who their leader is, are they just going to like combust? Yeah, I'm interested to see, and I'm assuming that, you know, speaking regarding speculations and such, I'm looking forward to seeing if what I think is going to happen is going to happen in terms of I feel like there's nothing else for Cass to do but be a leader. He's just going to have to come to terms with that. Suck it up, buttercup. But I'm really interested to see if what I think is that Hannah will be his, his general. And I think she'd make a fantastic general. I think the character is great. I think the actress is great. She's got super cute hair, too. And these are, those are the main things I need in a character. Good hair, cute jeans, and a good head on their shoulders. And she has all those. Mm. Do you but think Gabriel serious, will be serious, the, the unknown factor, mm, like the spanner in the yeah. world? Do you think Gabriel will you know, be and, the and my concern about Gabriel, and my concern about Gabriel is, while I love Dick Spate, and I mm-hmm. love Gabriel, how well can you work a character like that in on a regular or semi-regular or reoccurring basis? Because you you run into a few snags in that, and that he's such a big character in terms of longevity on the show, sentimentality for the viewers, and just the nature of the character, um, that in a way you already have one of those and his name is Crowley. Yeah. So how do you balance that and still show respect to to Crowley, to Sam, to Dean, to Cass, and to Gabriel? Like, And I will say that I'm not sure regarding metafiction if it was intended for Gabriel to feel off or if it's because it's a writer who had never written him, but he felt off and that it was not Richard's fate. It was, it was the writing. It was the, the, the pacing of the line. And I don't know if that was on purpose because of the, what metafiction was trying to tell us, although I still haven't figured out exactly what it was trying to tell us. I'm not sure. But um, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know. And so you have an entire room of, of writers and only one of them on staff 
is really familiar with that character, and he's has, he's pretty much busy being the showrunner. So you run into a few issues with that, I think. Yeah, but I I don't really it's, think. It's, I think it's. I just feel like at this stage in the game, like their entire show is accessible to every fighter in that room. You could hire somebody brand new tomorrow, and there's no excuse for why they wouldn't be familiar with the characters. Oh, so I completely agree. Off, However, like, we I, know that that's not the fact. Right. But I'm just saying, like, I just feel like it, it sh- it's a problem if, if people in that room... Look, every writer's room has, has writers that have certain strengths. And typically, it's the job of the showrunner to figure out who has which strengths and then to let them write those episodes or write those pieces of episodes or write those characters rather than, here, you're going to write this whole episode even if it has characters you're not particularly good at finding their voice, right? So to say that, like, he felt off, I don't disagree. I do think he felt a little off. I don't. I feel like a lot of what I thought made him feel that way was me reading into him and me wanting to give him more weight because I feel like if you're going to bring back a character like that, it should be for a real reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's hard for me to really say, like, well, yeah, it was the writer not really understanding the character, but I do feel like that because we got that vibe from him in this episode, like, I don't see why we wouldn't get that from him if they brought him back in another, you know, in a more permanent capacity next year. Like, I, I worry when you give a character an ending and then you keep bringing them back. Do you have a real reason to bring them back? Like, does he really serve your story, or are you just doing it because you know the fans love him? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there are yeah. fans. But then them. stop fans killing every character. Yeah. Well, but it's a supernatural that, show. I know, what? but my God, like, uh, I just and what it's a very thin line. Yeah, it's a thin line. Like, it's not mattering. I mean, Sam and Dean, Sam and Dean die, and you, yeah. you don't, you don't, you don't respond to them dying. You respond to how the other one reacts to them dying. Yeah. Um, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't respond to Dean ending up in purgatory, you respond to Sam's utter lost look of that in that empty room. You don't respond yeah. to, you know, it's, it's just, it's that continuing thing. You don't really respond to Sam being in that hospital bed. You respond to being watching Sam in that hospital bed. Well, it's because when they come back, you you have to then deal with the characters having been changed by that action. But right. So when you don't you have, have a character, character you know, you, you have a character like, like Gabriel, and you're going to give him the send-off that you gave him because say what you want about that episode. I, again, I didn't have the issues that people had, but whatever. Gabriel's monologue in that episode and the fight with Lucifer and the, and the death were really, really, really fantastic in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So when you bring him back and you almost make a tiny bit of a mockery out of him mm-hmm. and you don't explain why he's back, you imply that he is really back and then you have, you know, Richard Spade confirmed that as far as Robbie is concerned, Gabriel is alive. But that right. was the intention but- of that line that Gabriel right. was alive. However, they left it open that, you know, if they never can 
work him back in, well, then, you know, whatever. But what, and I guess it all comes down to, again, for me, is I don't understand that fiction. I don't <laughs> Yeah. I don't understand that episode. What was the point of that episode? What were you trying, you can't have a meta episode and not, and not have a why. Yeah. No, I I agree. I mean, I think it was, it it felt like a case where they they thought, hey, the fans are really gonna love this because of how how uh, you know winking it is, but it wasn't winking. It was overt for no reason. And my my is my main problem with <laughs> meta fiction was the way that I thought about meta in in the way that they've done those episodes in the past, you know, the real Ghostbusters and everything like that. Right. Meta used to be about the fans. Now, granted, it was about the writers' interpretations of the fans in some cases, and we saw that go wrong with something like Season 7, Time for a Wedding, but it was really about the fans. The problem was that meta fiction was about the writers. And the fact of the matter is, I don't want you to talk to me like that because that's not the way I want you to break the fourth wall. Because I I honestly think that there's already too much of a connection between the writers and the fans to the point where I feel that it is harming the show in a way. Yeah. I I mean, but I also think that the definition, like the definition of meta is that it's, it's implying, right? Like it's, they're doing things that you can obviously notice, but they're not calling them out specific. Like, even the title, Metafiction, is telling you exactly what it is. Like, that to me right. is a problem as well. It's too much. It's too over the top. It's too on the nose. And it's also kind of like they, I feel like they thought they were being more clever than they were, which kind of goes back to what you were saying about, like, the way that they, you know, the more you, the more they interact with the fans and, and, they have the capability to see what a lot of people are actually thinking and feeling about the show, they then have the power to say, we're going to play off this version and make you guys happy, and we're going to piss off you on purpose. And when we did the podcast for that episode, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to the test, the three of us were very emotional about it, um, probably especially Becky and, and me very, very emotional about it and not in a positive way. And mm-hmm. I think the difference is is that what we, what we discussed on that, episode, that podcast is that, for example, uh, the French mistake. The French mistake works because if you know that Jared Padalecki and Mary, who is now Genevieve Padalecki, you get the joke. But if right. you don't know that, if you are a casual fan and you do not know that, it's still worth on a Sam Mary movie level. Yeah, yeah, of course. It still makes sense. If you don't know itself. that Jensen Ackles was Eric Brady, then yeah. it works on just the idea that Dean is a soap opera star. But if you know he's Eric Brady, then you get that connection, you get that wink wink nudge. But if you right, don't, but you don't know it, it, it still works. And and that's the difference is that metafiction felt like it only works if you're in the know. And I don't even think that it worked then because like we're in the know, but I, that didn't make me like that episode more. 
You know what no. I mean? Like, I, it's because I we're just, a part of I this, quote-unquote, like, yeah, like, the, maybe they, and I think I think this happens a lot, and I think it's unfortunate, is, like, they feel like, well, we're going to speak to the, the the group, like, we're playing to this one specific group, we're, we're including you, we're making you feel like you're the cool kids, but it's the way you talk to them, too. It's the way you tell that story. <coughs> um, and I just, I don't know, like, I didn't hate that episode as much as I hated some of the others in this particular season, but... I definitely, like, there were definitely issues with where I just felt like that's, there's, I love things that are meta when they're genuinely meta, and this felt like something, they're trying to to be something that they don't really understand what it even is. Yeah, like, I would love to sit down with Robbie Thompson and go, explain it to me, and use small words so that I can follow along, <laughs> because I don't get it. And it's difficult yeah. for me to criticize it properly if I don't get it because it just comes off as I don't like it. And I, yeah. w- I would love to give them the opportunity to tell me, make me like it, explain to me, and make me like it. But I don't I think you can do that. Inherent, that's an inherent problem with an episode. Like, you shouldn't need it to be explained to you. No, but Especially, I want, no, it shouldn't, but I want it. <laughs> I know. I, I, I understand, and I don't disagree, but, like, I just feel like that's, that alone, like, forget any of the other criticisms we have, that alone is a problem of an episode. If you walk away from it not understanding what the hell you watched, especially as someone in the know with the show like this, like, not understanding its purpose, you ultimately feel like your time has been wasted. You ultimately feel like there was no reason to, to sit through that at all. And then, like, that's the definition of bad writing. Agreed. And I think, you know, I think with this, this this arc of of story writers and showrunner is a lot of us having to fill in the blanks, which yeah. is not necessarily a bad thing, but yeah. it comes a point where like I really I really uh, defended Sam in terms of not looking for Dean uh, in pur- when Dean was in purgatory. I defended it tooth and nail. I justified the characterization. But ultimately, yeah. nothing in the text has told me I'm right. I just have to until you know, until they until Carver tells me I'm right or wrong. I don't know. I can but say Sam had a mental breakdown and it's totally in character. I feel like those are the kinds of things that it's okay if there's an ambiguity about, like motivations to a point, you know, because you only know so much or only with the characters for so many scenes or so many moments. I just feel like I, I like being able to fill in some of the blanks, not having things spelled out for me, but I don't like it when it's 23 episodes later and you still haven't pushed your story that much further. Or in this case, jumped to a different place because in the middle there was a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, which is why both Clarissa and I stopped recapping the show for a majority of the of the second right. later episode. I was yeah. frustrated yeah. by the lack of about? Yeah, what are we even going to write about? Like, mm-hmm. Right. And I it's have to like you could write about the case of the week, but... Mm. I can write... It's nice to watch the episode without that responsibility. I, I do say it, that it was a different perspective. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, like, I felt... I felt sad that I didn't want to write about it. It was, yeah. it was fascinating. Because I enjoy yeah. doing that on a weekly basis. 
Yeah, I'll say like the beginning of the season, I was really sad that I wasn't recapping it because the site that I used to write, recap it for um, got bought by a different company and no longer wanted that. And like I was, I was like, maybe I'll just do it on my own site for fun, you know, for free. And then as the season went on, I was like, you know, I'm really glad I didn't do that because I would feel an obligation to have to do it every week. And there were just some weeks where I would like walk away from the episode with nothing to say or, you know, nothing positive to say. I don't know. Like that to me was just like a disheartening thing because if I wasn't nine seasons in and really invested in the, in the characters and the actors, like I probably would have the show. But because I'm, I know that there have been such great moments before it, and I'm so like hopeful that they can turn it around. It's like it's gonna be, you know, it's all gonna make sense in the end. It's all gonna be emotional and great. Like I'm still watching it, but it's a little bit more right now out of loyalty than it is out of like I genuinely liked what I saw. And yeah, I knew that there's something I wanted to be said of that we have so much criticism, you know, within the five of us right now and within the round table and I've seen across, you know, different, whether it's just fandom blogs or, you know, actual media blogs like CW or whatever, um, that people have these legitimate criticisms and yet we have this this strong spike in ratings that yeah it, it doesn't match and it, I find it really interesting that that it, that it happened that way and it makes it difficult to it makes it difficult I would imagine as the writers to take the criticism seriously yeah well, but I think that, like, the fact that Supernatural be- has become its own phenomenon because it has, like, the conventions have stirred up a conversation, and if we look at media coverage, it- it's gotten a lot more in the last couple seasons than it ever used to just because of how popularity has grown and how it's being taken more seriously by, you know, genre fans, by media people just across the board. Like, it's not that little niche show anymore. It's not that bubble show anymore. And, like, I, if I were coming to the show right now not having seen the first few seasons, I would kind of, I feel like I would wonder what all the fuss was about. Mm-hmm. But having, I think having, watched it, having watched it all the way through, I'm, like, fascinated by the fact that, like, because of the way that fans have loved the show for so long, that's allowing new people to say, hey, there's something there. And even if I turn it on right now and I don't really get it or I don't really love it, I'm going to watch a little bit more because clearly all of these people are obsessed with it and there's got to be a reason. Like that aspect fascinates me because I, like we've seen the shift to CW too, the way that the show is marketed and the way that they treat the show. You know, the way that Mark Pedowitz just absolutely loves it and loves the boys and is like – constantly saying he would let it go on as long as, as they want it to. I think that's a dangerous thing to say, but it's a very different world, you know, from when Dawn was in charge or when, when <laughs> WB had to, you know, when, they, when the CW was first starting and they were, like, the, deciding what shows to take from the WB and, you know, was this going to be one of them? Like, it's just... I, I can't even imagine, like, what it must be like in that writer's room. They must feel like their version of being a rock star. I wonder I wonder if 
in terms of criticism, because we've said that, you know, like the fans who are sticking with the show and you bring in new people and everything like that, that they are so devoted and so loyal that will, I don't want to use the word suffer through, but sometimes it feels like that. Like I will sit there and I will watch every episode, even if I'm unhappy with that episode and the arc that you're unfolding throughout the season. And I'm just like, I still hope that they'll internalize some of that, what's meant to be constructive criticism and do better for next year. Like I'm hoping that in episode 1001, you're going to tell me the end goal. I don't want six separate storylines again. I want you to tighten it up. I want you to focus on this. Now, I don't necessarily expect that you're going to listen to me because I'm one person. I feel I'm not an authority in any way, and and I don't expect to. Um, I'd like it if you could do that, and I would be happier, and then next year I'll give you a better grade on my roundtable. But, like, we were supposed to grade it? No, we're not supposed to grade it. (laughs) (laughs) I will expect you a thousand more words. I don't care. No, no, we're not. There is an implied grade in all of our in all of our entries. Yeah, there is an implied. Um, I mean, look, I I think that like what you said is true. I think that like not maybe it's not always suffer through it, but I do feel because the world of the show has become so large outside of the show because there are these conventions. People are so invested in the in the actors themselves, in the writers themselves. Like it's bigger than just the story on the screen. Like, people are maybe not in love with the story on the screen all the time, but they want to support these people who they feel like are a family. And so, yeah, you're going to keep watching. And, you may, and, like, I'll keep watching, and I may not love every minute of it, but as long as we all watch and we understand that, like, they're not they, – they, hopefully they're telling the story they want to tell and they're not writing it for us because – like, you and I and all five of us on this call, like, we all have slightly different things that we want from the show. So if they start to write towards what individual fans want, that's when it gets messy. So, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I mean, mean I, I, I think there's commonalities in the sense that it sounds to me like, you know, we are not that happy with things like too many disjointed storylines and pacing. Like, that's true. the number two and... Also, in a sense, um, the problem of Sam this season. And so I feel like those are are three of the most common complaints. And so I think you can address those without necessarily feeling like you're giving only one very small group of fans what you want. No, that's Although I do think that every season we're always complaining about either Sam or Dean. Like, there's always one of them that seems to have less of a story when – I don't understand why they can't balance them. There's only no. I I, part I think this season is very different. I feel like this season, I I'm not one of those, and I get why people say this, but you know the people who are like Dean has never had a myth arc or what have you. I've always felt that Dean was the emotional core of the show, and yeah, even when too. Sam was carrying the mythology. Dean was an integral part. Because if you think about season four, everything that led up to the end, you know, like Dean was instrumental in Sam sort of turning it around 
and, yeah. and, you know, having the sanity at that point to turn it around, even when he realized himself what Ruby did to him, it was also Dean that was, you know, he helped that. Now, course, I, I feel like Sam wasn't the emotional core, like if they switched places, because they didn't give us Sam's point of view. Right. No, and, and when and, you and, don't do that, you... But you, I do think we've... I mean, like, whether it's been warranted or not, we, I definitely have had to address the imbalance every season. I just think that this season is a different kind of imbalance. I think that well, in the past, it, has, it has been more about, like... Yeah, if something is more emotional, sometimes it's it's more contextual, harder to see in physical story. It's more about the actor, you know. But I, I think, um, I don't know, I just feel that it's something that I've had to address every season. And I just, and it's I, too solid. I, I disagree that it happened every every season. I agree with Clarissa that this season felt more. And I, my friend Katie who is far more positive about the show than I am, so we we have a, a very interesting balance. Every time I'm, like, just complaining off the wall, she's like, yeah, I don't see anything you're saying. I'm sorry. But she <laughs> said she says something that I found quite interesting is that she said, in previous seasons, we see Sam through Dean, and that's, in a way, how we get Sam, what we consider Sam's point of view. We get a bit from Sam, and then we get filled in by Dean. But this season, Dean isn't seeing Sam, and so Sam has, because Sam has receded from Dean, we felt that recession. And I thought that was a really interesting point to make. And then I went, not good enough, though. (laughs) I also don't know if that was deliberate or that was a byproduct of they just didn't know what to do with him. Yeah, and I didn't tell him any more credit than they... Yeah, is it is it is it is it an overabundance of credit given, or yeah. is it you know was it organic or was it calculated? I don't know. I don't even yeah. know if you know that. But it, what she said made sense. It made sense. I just yeah. Like I said, it's it. it's at it. the end of her statement, I went, "That's really astute." <laughs> Irrelevant. <laughs> and it, well, but that's I mean, and that's the perfect thing to like think about when you do a rewatch because if it's intentional we should be able to see it be able to see that point where it, it cuts off where you know it was, we were seeing through deep and then there was a switch and I'm not, I'm not sure that we will see it I'm not sure that it was intentional but like that to me is probably the most interesting thing now about wanting to go back and rewatch it because now I want to look for that mm-hmm. like I said I thought her I thought her Assessment was really astute, and even if she's right, if you're not showing me that, then yeah, if it right. with your intention, it. I don't want to call it a failure because that's a really harsh term, and I don't, I don't quite mean that, but it's a misstep. Yeah. So, you know, ultimately, out of the finale, I got, I would say, seventy percent of. I got 90% of what I thought would happen and 70% of what I wanted to happen, which is averaging out to 80%, which is a B, which is good for a nice season show and a hypercritical viewer. That's good. Mm. I think that's pretty pretty good. I mean, that's... 
Yeah, I mean, we, we, we hold Supernatural up to a very high standard, a very high bar because of previous seasons and episodes, and which is actually pretty wonderful that we still expect so much out of a ninth season show and aren't letting them just, just you know, uh, uh, float along on, on past past things. We still want true. them to be great. It's like, you know, you, you, you push That's the person true. you know is capable of more because you've seen what they can do. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I watch another show, and they are just finished their fourth season, and they're already doing crap. You know that I don't like that is that is, that is belongs in a tenth season, you know, and and <laughs> making wrong choices and all that, and I'm it, boy, it, a couple episodes just gave me rage blackouts, <laughs> and I don't even know why I'm still hanging on, but I am. Yeah, but, I was going to say you shouldn't watch that anymore. That's, Sorry, that doesn't sound like a good thing. I rage blackout does not sound like a good thing. You probably shouldn't still watch it. I, I want to know what you don't get the funny thing. It's just like you say that and you say that because. Poor Becky and Clarissa. I, I really, uh, the crazy they deal with, you guys. Uh, but, and, and I deal with their crazy too, so it's okay. But the number of times that I have rage quit this show this season is actually absurd. And <laughs> True. we both have to it, and Clarissa did it as well. So, you know, we were uh, in that same boat where we just rage quit like every other week. And I was rage quitting without even watching the episode. Just her telling me what happened. I was like, I'm done. I'm so done. I quit. <laughs> and then something would happen where I'd be like, oh, there was a con this weekend and Jensen was adorable. Okay, I'm back. Oh, there was a con this weekend and Jared was adorable. Okay, I'm back. Oh, wait, it was the upfront and, and Mark Pedowitz loved the show. Oh, oh, okay, I'm back. I don't know what that says that I I. I can't quit because of the actors, not because of the show. <laughs> oh, right. well, we had a we had a we had a text conversation about that. I think you I think you rage quit in one of our text conversations at one point. You rage quit me over Gmail like five times every day that ended Y, and I'm like, okay, Vinny, and then I'm like, no, we just have to see it through. It'll be okay. And she's like, no. I literally at one point sent her, I'm done. I'm so done. I'm not watching any more episodes. I'll do your roundtable one more time. How was I going to do the roundtable if I wasn't watching the episodes? How? I feel a little bit better because I've no, I haven't at least done that. Like, I do feel like I thought I was being really harsh on the season this year, and, and I, now I feel a little better. Oh yeah, no, no, no one, no one is as no one is as angry so easily as I am. Yeah, do they have Dean Breeze as a round beat? Done, done. Okay. Oh, geez. Not, not really that extreme. I'm exaggerating, but there were okay. tiny things. Yeah, there were tiny things. I'd be like, no, done. If you can't no, respect I'm me as a viewer, why am I going to respect you as a writer? I'm out of here. Bye. Right, and like to be honest, like that's that makes sense to me because I feel like, look, our time is valuable, our time is short. There's a ton of things on television that if you're not going to deliver something that a feels smart, b feels respectful, and c actually genuinely interests me, I I do. I quit a lot of shows this season, and I I said in my roundtable, I was like, I quit a lot of genre shows. I also kind of vowed not to even bother with some of the new ones because they're just there's a level of disbelief I just don't even want to suspend anymore because I do feel like on a lot of genre shows the stakes aren't actually all that high because you can just 
kill someone and bring them right back. And I'm just like, well, then what, what's happening? What, am I, what are we doing here? Um, and I, I didn't, you know, obviously Supernatural was not one that I quit, and it's not one that I really felt that way about consistently. So I, I do, like, I don't think that's a, that's a crazy harsh thing to say. Like, I, if, you, if you don't feel respected as a viewer, you shouldn't be watching it. Like, why? What are you getting out mm-hmm. of it if, if it's making you upset? You know, like, that doesn't make sense to me. I want to know it's what, funny so, because the reason I'm hanging on is is uh, one thing we just talked about. It's it's the actors, it's the two lead actors and their relationship in real life and on the show. It it gets me through when something about writing or plot makes me that. crazy. Mm-hmm. Is it Hawaii Five-O? Totally get it, but I just feel like what? if that's if that's legitimately all you're if you're all you care about, like you don't have to even watch the show for that anymore. Like, you could just go to conventions and not even be current on the show and it won't matter. The show doesn't do conventions. The show doesn't do conventions. But, but sometimes they do really oh, do because actually it's like right in the middle of the season they sort of realize that, oops, well, we are going in a wrong direction and they kind of right. corrected and, okay, it's like, okay, this is better. Okay, this is better. Oh, okay. But All right, I'll come it? back. You know, so okay. let's go. I don't okay. know. I, know. <laughs> I really okay. want to know yeah. what the show is. What show is this? I know. I want to know. Yeah, it was, it's Hawaii Five-0. I, I, I was going to say oh, Hawaii yeah. Five-0. The new like, version. And, and, I've had some and, with that still. I got railed on one of my reviews about it too early in the season. And I was like, you guys are watching it just as a fan perspective, not as a critic. It's really different. <laughs> um, You know, it's it's not – I'm not as – like emotionally attached and invested as I am in Supernatural, but I, I enjoyed it. And again, it was like a really strong chemistry and yeah. um, it uh, uh, between, not just between the characters of Steve McGarrett and um, uh, Danny Williams, but off screen, the actors, I, I would joke with a friend on, on live journal who also loves Supernatural and Hawaii Five O, and I said, there's a J2 of Hawaii Five O <laughs> because, because Alex, and Scott became incredible friends. They lived around the corner for each other. They hang out together. They did, you know, the, they have a, an amazing friendship and brotherhood, very, very similar. So that's, it kind of keeps, keeps me going on the show when some other story decisions and character decisions, I just shake my head. Mm-hmm. But because I'm not so emotionally invested in the entire show, I'm yeah. okay with moving along when it's, not so great. I hang in there. It makes me angry, but I hang in there. But no, it's um, yeah, yeah. I also, I mean, I also think like it's this sounds horrible, but because it's on CBS, I kind of expect less from it. So mm-hmm. they have a, like not, mm. not less quality, but they have a very specific formula for their their dramas. Even I mean, with the exception of I guess The Good Wife and and now Person of Interest. Even if it's not a straight procedural, like they they've been doing, um, they've been doing season long arcs for the last couple of years. But like, I still I don't know. I feel like I I see they they write to the beat. Like they write very specific um, ass breaks, and and I just I I don't know. I I just kind of cut it that slack because I'm like I know what I'm getting into, so I'm not yeah. as mm-hmm. in it. You know, it's it's the same thing. It's like it's harder to get as invested, I think, because. Um, it's not as it's not even as emotional a show. I feel like. Mhm. That's right. 
And, and I do think with supernatural, what, part of what it is is, one, we're very invested. It's been a long time. But what our investment is, it's an investment in the emotion and yeah. the conclusion. You know, you yeah. to to bastardize a Buffy line from Anya, uh, you'll miss the humorous conclusion. It's not going to be humorous in the show, but... Um, you have to know. You've put so much into it, whether you've been a fan for, you know, since the pilot, since season two, since season four, since season seven. You ultimately go back and, whether you were there from day one or showed up a year ago and went back and relived from day one, that's mm-hmm. nine years of investment in some capacity. And it's very... I. I said this a few times to a few different people, but I've walked away from better for less. Mm. Um, and mm. I don't necessarily mean that as a shot to Supernatural because on the whole, I think it's fantastic television. I really do. And the, yeah. fact that I can still, the fact that I still get angry about it, or like you said, that I still expect quality out of it, and yeah. really what, what we criticize the lack of quality, we're grading on this huge curve because... Mm-hmm. What we say is like a uh, misstep. On the whole, if this was a different show, I probably wouldn't even notice the misstep. That's true. Yeah. But you know, but, this is something that that emotionally and critically, the five of us are very in, invested in, and it's 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 a part of our lives. You know, it's something mm-hmm. that all of us do. You know, it's a job on top of a job on top of a job. Yeah. Yep. And it's an attestment to the show that all of us that all of us are willing to put in. I put in more time in Supernatural than I do in my actual job. Mm-hmm. I I log more hours doing Supernatural related things than I do in, in my real job. So oh. and I get I get paid for my real job. <laughs> I just don't know how you have the time. That sounds that sounds crazy not on a, like, why would you, but it sounds crazy on, like, a how do you have the time level. Oh, because I don't work very much. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> All right, never mind. <laughs> this, is, this is why, and see, Becky has a different account that she works for, so she doesn't get as much of my crazy because she's not as available to me anymore. But this uh-huh. is why Clarissa gets so much of my crazy is because, I'm home I'm by like twenty four seven, and I'm home by like noon. I'm home by like oh. one o'clock in the afternoon. So, jealous. So yeah. yeah, Becky used to get it so much worse, but now she's too busy to answer my crazy. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, <laughs> so probably I tweet more too. Um, so jealous. Than I than I used to. So I ha- I do have the luxury of a job that doesn't take up a whole lot of my time, mm. but. That said, when I say that I put more time in Supernatural, I put in a full-time job. I would say that, at least with Winchester Rose, we do clock in about, I'd say about, what, 35 hours a week, give or take? I'm I'm online, basically, if I'm not asleep, I'm online. And when I'm online, I'm looking for things. So, yeah, so I mean, like we're constantly looking for things that are relevant 
So right. Or or twenty-four minus twenty-four hours minus eight a day is how many hours I put into the website. (laughs) Yeah, and and we know we're constantly it's constantly like, you know, right now that we're going into hiatus, what we what we think about is what can we do for the other you know the other people like us that are sitting around for four months going oh my god I want my show, so we Uh you know we we plan. We plan rewatches. We plan campaigns. We plan fundraisers because that's what this show has cultivated. It's cultivated a culture right. of involvement. Yeah, which is it, it's a supremely unusual phenomenon. Yeah, and it's a fantastic thing. You know, the amount of money that this fandom has raised for so many charities—it's it's staggering. Mm-hmm. And. It, 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 it is a testament to it, and but on the same hand, as a result, it creates a hypercriticism. You know, mm-hmm. as much time as we put in, a lot of other fans put in that much time as well, and they're sitting there going, "Are you are you worth? Have you given back what I've given to you?" Yeah, which is not necessarily how television does or should work, to be honest. No, a lot. Of, I know a lot of shows. People just sit back, watch it turn it off and never think about it again. Mm-hmm. Probably the majority right. of shows I watch, I don't know who the writers are. I don't know who the directors are. I don't know. I certainly don't know who the showrunner is and, or if they've changed showrunners or when they change showrunners. None of that. I don't care. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because, mm-hmm. like, from my perspective, like, that's the stuff that, you know, those are the things I would be dealing with when I was writing crime. Like, those are the stories. Those are things that matter the most, the behind-the-scenes stuff. So, mm-hmm. like, to, to be writing about that and then to see who out there watching these shows notice the changes, like showrunner changes specifically, like, they might notice that something is different in a story, but they might not be able to pinpoint why. Like, that's what I always found really fascinating is how other people watch these shows, you know, because... Yeah, I was right. You know, a good chunk of of time I was watching the show, quote unquote, for work. But I would have watched it anyway if I wasn't working, and I don't think I would have been watching it differently because that's just not the type of person I am. So to hear like how other people do it is always a fascinating thing to me. Mhm. Did we run out of things oh. to say? I don't know. I feel like we've been talking for three days. I I can tell you right now that Becky is sitting here going, this is great, guys, but I want to go watch Orphan Black. Oh, my God. This is true. This is true. I was was about to say. Because. Be so good. In two minutes, I am going to be leaving to to watch Orphan Black. Okay, Um, that's fine. I'll let let you do that. Yeah, but I do want to give a, I want to give a big shout out to Amanda underscore Elise 88. Um, one of our friends, she's um, actually wanted to call in, and I missed her tweet in time for her to call in. And she was asking, can I call in now? And I missed it. Um, she tweeted to my personal account. so I'm, And I told her to try and call in, but I won't let her call now since we're recording. So I want to give a big shout-out to Amanda. And so sorry that I missed your tweet, and hopefully you can call in next time. We mm-hmm. should totally um, take calls next time that we do something oh, like yeah. this. That'd be fun. We're not yeah. going to have 